0: Welcome friends, welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and real estate agent here at the Renegade Realty Group. What is Renegade Detroit Investors RDI? Well, first it's this podcast, welcome, but we're also a group. We meet once a month, no July meeting, and it's ain't your grandma's Ria, folks. No guru bullshit, no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about, those sad, dark rooms you don't want to go to. Also, this this is a podcast, RDI podcast, where we have real estate conversations with people actually doing it in real life that I really know. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to renegadetroit.com or meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. All right. Legal disclaimer in no way, shape or form should anything that I or any of my guests say today or ever be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decisions, you contact the lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me or don't sue any of my guests. All right. Time for the renegade Detroit investors show quote of the week where I pick a quote that hopefully sets the tone for this podcast and your week. And this week I went with something from Stephen King because I'm getting tired of all these fucking people whining about how hard life is. All right. Here's the quote. Amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. All right. Stephen King, one of the most prolific and popular writers of the 20th and 21st century. All right, folks, let me introduce you to my guest. I got some straight up savages in here. All these people have been real estate agents way longer than I have, way more deals, and we have a very interesting mix all across the board. So let me introduce my first guest, Mr. Tom Hutt, OG. Tom's first flip was in 1983. He built his first home as a general contractor in 1996. He's built four new construction homes, and as well as completed 20-plus flips in the last several years. He has anywhere from one to five projects going at any time. And he's also a landlord with nine rentals. On the agent side, he's the owner of Hut Group LLC, and that's with REMAX. He's been a top-producing real estate agent for 28 years. Told you he's an OG. America's Best Agents, Trulio, uh, Zillow, multiple years. Um, our Magazine, our media magazine, Real Estate, All-Star, multiple years. And he averages 50 to 70 transactions a year. Some other cool stuff he's done. He's certified as an expert witness for circuit court-level trials, In several courtrooms in Oakland County. Uh, He's also testified for other people as an expert witness on tax tribunal cases. He's also the owner of Craftsman Homes and Land LLC. You can reach out to him, 248-219-9993, Hutt, two Ts, TomHutt.com. Then I have my good friend, and she's been on the podcast before as well, Ms. Jan Dykers. She began her career in real estate as an investor in the early 2000s with some ambitious and overwhelming renovation projects while spending evenings and weekends bartending and waiting tables. At the onset of the recession, she was working for other investors managing their personal portfolios. In 2008, she started her own property management business, Sweet Properties, which was managing a portfolio of approximately 400 residential units at the time she sold it in 2018. Jan obtained her real estate license in 2005 and her associate broker's license in 2014. She joined her current brokerage, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, the Loft Warehouse in 2013. She was promoted to vice president of market development and managing broker in 2018. The brokerage specializes in downtown Detroit condominium sales. Jan is currently training for a specialization in residential developer support. In addition... She's got a cool project going on. She's a developer herself. In the mid-2000s, she and a team converted a Brush Park mansion in the four condominiums. She and her partner are in the process of turning a vacant North End New Center historic building into mixed use. She is also a 20-year resident of Woodbridge. I don't know if you guys know where that's at. Nice little area in Detroit. You wouldn't believe how much it turned around the last nine years. Literally, you would not believe it. I remember moving here and there being all vacant houses and now you see kids riding bikes by themselves. Like you would not believe how fast things can turn around. And uh, she lives with her partner and her two wonderful pit bull mutts. If you listen to the last podcast where I had her on, she adopted one of those for me. So that's how we know each other. Reach out to her on facebook.com forward slash Jan Dikers. And that's D I J K E R S. And if you don't know how to spell, it, don't worry, just go to the show notes, click the link. It'll be there. You can also email her jandcells at gmail.com. Then I got another friend here who was on the podcast from four way back in the day. It was like 60 podcasts ago. We got Mr. Matthew Stransky. He originally grew up in Shelby Township. Uh, he has a mom and dad who are still together and a younger brother, grew up blue collar, and sports ruled his life. Currently, he lives in Berkeley, was his wife and two kids, and a mini golden doodle. All right? Cool looking dog. If you don't follow him on Facebook, I'm a dog guy. So... <laughs> I think those are cool looking dogs. Looks very fun. His passions, God, family, real estate, real estate, investing, personal growth, jujitsu, and fitness. His businesses, he has a real estate agent team, Stransky and company at Keller Williams and Royal Oak. And that's Metro. And he's also an investor. He's got Lila investments for his development and fix and flip business with a strong focus on the Woodward corridor. That's facebook.com forward slash Stransky and company. And you can just search a Matthew Stransky on Facebook if you want to add him personally. And these links will be in the notes. Thank you everybody for coming.
1: Thank you. All right. Thanks for having us.
0: I'm excited about this. So let's just get this out of the way. I talk shit about agents all the time, right? But I talk shit about everybody all the time. That's part of what I do. Like anything we do, it's ninety percent bullshit, and the cream rises to the top. So I'm gonna do a couple things today. Hopefully distinguish us. Certainly you guys from the rest of the pack, right? But when you're deciding when to become an agent and people are recruiting you and you're starting out and you don't know what you're doing, I think there are a lot of questions and there's no one place to go. And I'm not suggesting this podcast is that place. But what I've attempted to do is I have a wide variety here. I got Mr. Tom Hutt, years of experience, REMAX agent. I got Jan Dyker's. Berkshire Hathaway, condos, property manager, Matthew Stransky, Woodward Corridor, lots of retail business, new construction, and then me, ton of wholesale shit, ton of Detroit stuff, ton of stuff below $120,000, right? So, and I don't have a lot of experience. I've only been doing this about three years now. So hopefully we have a good mix of expertise, talent, where they're at, what they're doing, so, I'm a, I have a ton of questions from everybody else, but this is my podcast, my agenda. So, I got some questions I'm going to start with. So, go. and I'm very curious and I'm whenever I ask this question, it's open to everybody, whoever wants to go, and we can talk about anything too. But one of the questions <clears throat> I had is did you guys start as agents first or as
2: investors and why? I'm just curious. I always like to start there. Yeah, I guess I'll jump uh definitely as an investor. Um, I was pretty fortunate. Like, uh, you know, when I was a young guy, my dad handed me the book, rich dad, poor dad. And I think that's kind of what, uh, opened my eyes, you know, what was possible. School definitely wasn't my route per se. I finished college, but hated it. Um, so I definitely entered as an investor when I started, um, it was kind of in the shit of it, right? So you could buy a 70, $80,000 house, put 30 grand into it, you know sell one fifties one sixties. I started there and then I almost indirectly shortly after that became you know a retailer or, or an agent guy and what it was is all the stuff that I was posting on social media you know about the investing and the flipping kind of bled over to it. so I started as an investor and kind of accidentally became a, an agent
0: right, I'm gonna follow that
2: up, but mm-hmm. the rest of you guys.
1: Um, I also entered real estate as an investor. Um, my mom was working for one of the gurus. I want to say it probably was Robert Allen's company. I've heard you talk shit about him before, but she was going like around the country and basically upselling all of these real estate courses. And so there was, um, a guru who had, um, investing in Detroit, like specialized course. And she said, you know, if you would like to attend, I can get you in. And, Sounded pretty good, so um, started doing some investing, and I think bit off more than I could chew. Really got into the weeds on some really big renovation projects that really just beat me down. And uh, but from the from the um, the the connections I was making, I was getting a lot of people asking me, "Oh, you're in real estate? Can you help me buy a house?" Not, not, no, I can't. Um, so that was just sort of the next no, thing for me, <laughs> especially. Um, because uh, yeah, real estate investing wasn't wasn't showing to be profitable for me, but I loved real estate, so that was that was sort of a way in the door.
3: Pivot, okay, mm-hmm. Mr. Right. Hutt? Investing, yeah, I was. Uh, my mom was an entrepreneur. My parents are both like entrepreneurs, so they had their own little companies. But um, so my mom went out and found a local realtor, and uh, that was like a mom and pop real estate shop in Royal Oak at the time. And so we found fixer uppers back way, way, way back when, you know? So, and my brother and I did like the painting and the patching and this. so we, I did two transactions with her early on in in my, in my life. And, uh, you know, from there I dabbled in it before I got my license. So I really was, uh,
0: Born like, into it almost, right? Yeah, well, not. I'm boring. pro I mean, child labor, though. Yeah, I like that.
3: I mean, she she did those transactions basically because she was wanting stuff for you know it was for us, it wasn't for her. She wasn't you know she wasn't looking to to be a real estate investor. I, I think more or less just to get us into something or get us involved in something. And you know, my brother has a lot of real estate and it's done quite well over many years with that. So uh, I think was, the seed was planted, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, that happened. Um, but, and for me, I was, uh, I worked, she had a company, worked with her company and then I went to an associate company that she contracted with and was working with them. And then they went out of business. And before that happened, I had got my real estate license. So it was like, you know, working, 40 hours a week at one job and another 40 hours a week at real estate. And then when they went out, it was like, okay, that's it. Now I'm a realtor. You know? <laughs> I mean, I got no choice. It's like I got little kids and house payments and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was like, you know, I was already doing well in, in the in, in the real estate sales. But, you know, there's only so much you can do with if you have another job, you know, sure. that you have to show up to certain hours you know it's one that thing makes it hard yeah. yeah if you're doing investing you can work around stuff but i mean if you have a nine to five yeah it's, it's, so there was a year year and a half of of, of part-time let's just call it full-time part-time before i <laughs> before i was thrown into the fire and had to like do it to pay the bills
0: well, I should disclose, too, I obviously have an investor bias, so what I'm attempting to do is establish some credibility with you damn savages because I know a <laughs> lot of you can't be converted from hating the agents. But there are good ones out there, so I want to make sure – they were one of us before I turned to the dark side like me. you know. So, or I turned to the dark side like them, so they know what they're doing. Here's a great question, and I don't want to get you guys in trouble, so don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble, but I get this question all the time. I want to ask you guys, how did you decide when choosing your first brokerage? Follow-up question, if you'd rather answer that one. If you changed your brokerage, how and why did you decide? What I'm attempting to do is I think people think there's like a magical place to go. Mm -hmm. And if I just go to this magical place, all all this stuff will just magically work out. And what I want to attempt to show – is not only variety, but obviously you guys had goals you were going for. So you had reasons why you chose the places you do and approach. So I want to throw that out. I'll answer the question at the end. I've answered it before. But a lot of people in deciding, like, how do you choose your first market?
2: So how did you guys choose? I guess the way, the way I chose, um, you know, without naming names. But uh, it was a smaller outfit. It, it was boutique. Um, I had a friend that owned a place that was right in the heart of Royal Oak. And I had done corporate selling, you know, prior to to getting into real estate. And the one thing that I wanted, in and in a, probably at a time when maybe it didn't exist or maybe it didn't look hard enough, um, is I was kind of looking for, I guess, what I would call a team, um, just opportunity. You know, I've never, and I'm still not the best, you know, with friends and family. I, I prefer to work a cold lead over, you know, friends and family. When I would go into this boutique, um, and. You know, just being observant. I, I I wasn't making that jump yet, but I noticed the phone was always ringing. And um, long story short, they managed a bunch of properties right there in Roilogue. And uh, so then when I started talking to them, that's what I asked. Hey, am I allowed to take these phone calls? And am I able to kind of jump on these opportunities? I could. Um, So I went right there. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do too much more looking than that than other. I just, you know, give me a human and, and let me try to, you know, prove myself kind of thing. I did 53 leases my first year. Ooh, sold, that's, that's sold, rough. Well, and sold two houses. Yeah. So uh, that was back in, in the shit of it, you know, 05, 06. But um, that's why I went there. Now, when I upgraded the the second part, um, and again, I'll leave that, uh, that name out. But when I made that jump, it was a big deal, right? I, I had a working fax machine, a working copier. I couldn't believe it. Um, I had some training, <laughs> you know, there was a, a woman at the front desk who's actually at Metro now who's still a rock star, Kathy, um, you know, was inbo- and inputting listings and all kinds of stuff. So I was able to kind of leverage some things there, wh- which I appreciated. Um, and then when I made the final jump to Keller Williams, when I was basically trying to start my team and starting to leverage out some activities, um, I realized, honestly, I, I didn't have a fucking clue. And um, the reason I went there is because of the models and systems. Being an investor, I'd already read you know million dollar real estate investor. I believe quite a bit of what Gary put out. Um, the book flip. Uh, I still abide by a lot of those formulas and um, you know I'd started to see other people transition over there that were doing things that that I was ready to do. So you know that that's kind of my journey. and ever since I've been there, it's great. You know, and, uh, they'll kill me for saying it. You know, is there Kool-Aid there? Of course. Um, a lot of Kool-Aid also, in KW, yeah, but it's only it like might... 30% Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it's what you choose to drink. Yes. You know, and, you know, in there, right? And in, in a lot of truth to it, you know, they talk about the one thing. Um, my opinion and, and it's the beauty of it, but you know, that one thing can get lost pretty quick because you're exposed to about a hundred things. So I think it, it takes, you know, the amount of right focus on the right things. But you're definitely getting the exposure to it. I like it because I can drop my new agents into it, and they receive some really good training. But that's that's my journey. All right, and you're mm-hmm. at KW Metro KW right Metro, now yep. right, Grove. Grove. Yep.
0: Did the cap or splits or anything like that? Was that any you know, consideration what a, what a at good all? Good
2: question, and and obviously these guys this will answer. All but, the time, yeah. but but for me, no. Yeah. And and I think if you're uh, if you're entering in as a realtor, even an investor. It's a long term game, and I and the problem that I see with a lot of like new agents that are new into it, it's so short sighted. You know, I, I don't think they really realize what they're doing. They're building a business, I mean, brick by brick. Um, so no, was I worried about the caps and stuff? Uh, that was at the bottom of my list. You know, I, I was first, in and in a, in a, again, young. Uh, I wanted opportunity. Then came to some technology and training you know, and caps have always kind of been at the bottom. You know, I'm not, I don't want to get raped over the coals, but I, I look for that sweet spot of value. Got it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think value is definitely where it is. I, when I joined my first brokerage, it was really just what was around me. I was getting involved in um, Detroit condo conversion development. And so there was a Real estate company downtown called Detroit Urban Living. In fact, I think Lisa Debs is an agent here. She was she was there. So we had a lot of the you know original D- Detroit agents were all um, working at that brokerage. And man, I I had no idea what I was doing. There was no train. It was an every man for himself <laughs> kind of brokerage. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I I you know I flailed around for a while in a couple different avenues. And then when I got into property management, I actually started to get investor clients and I could sell investment properties all day long in the recession. I mean, that was the grind. You do, hell yeah, you know, 10, 10 houses in a month, you know,
0: I'm only here because of investors out of state and overseas yeah. buying stuff. So I had money to buy food. Like, so thank you, by the way. I thank could, you.
1: I could, you know, rinse, repeat all day long, um, with those investors, but I really wanted to get into the higher, uh, ticket value, properties and I had no idea how to achieve that. I had no idea what prospecting was. I had no idea how to sort of like, you know, work my sphere of influence. Like I hadn't, I just had, and I didn't even think that, do you know to read a book about it? Or I just, I just, so when I um, went into my next brokerage, which is in Livonia, um, Vision Realty Centers, I think the reason I went there is because they had a really attractive cap uh, and commission system, but what what really gave me the value was all of the training that they offered i feel like that really catapulted me into the agent that i am now um and when i finally found my way to the loft warehouse which then became a berkshire hathaway franchise um now the decision is based on value um because my commission structure is much different you know um and and it Really, that is at the bottom of my, of my list. I, I think it's always interesting when agents who aren't really doing a lot of great business are like trying to get their c- commission split up by 10%. And it's like, you know, let's teach a man to fish here. You know, getting that extra 10% is you think it's going to do something for you, but you really need how to, to know how to work your business. And where. so I am where I am because I have access to a, a ton of opportunities and knowledge and training. That's exactly where I want to be.
0: Caps didn't really come into it too much, right? Yeah, that's, nope. that's, that's what I. Yeah, thought.
1: and when I when I had a great, you know, cap, you know, where the cap was, you know, was a hundred percent. After that, I, you know, it was really about the training. Ultimately, that's what did it for me. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so. You're gonna have a longer story because yeah. I
0: mean, you're, you're the grizzly veteran <laughs> no, in this room, God. been around forever. You know, it. you've seen the whole thing.
3: I've been in the business since. <laughs> Tell us about the MLS books.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah,
3: MLS. yeah. So, um, yeah. Again, when I started, I had a full time job. So I don't know if I even. I probably went. I probably went to at least a couple places on Woodward and Royal Oak because I lived in Royal Oak. Because the Royal Oak guy, North Woodward Wood corridor, you know, would be. Where would the normal realtor would work if you – whatever, in that area. But I think I probably walked in a couple doors, but I walked into a, a Century 21 franchise, uh, Northwood, Century 21 Northwood, near Shrine on Woodward. And, uh, you know, basically, I think it still applies to a lot of franchises. Like, if you could fog a mirror –
1: you know what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> they, they want you. They'll sign you up. You do two or three transactions and you flake out, and they made their two or three, you know, their money on their half a dozen or a dozen transactions for a year. That's the business model. So, but that's what it was. And they actually had a trainer that somebody that could show you stuff and, um, and teach you what the form was and all the rest of that. And the guy could cover for me, you know, so I had a kind of a little bit of a support. So if I needed something done while well, I, physically couldn't be there so you know they would take me so basically you know it wasn't about commission splits or anything like that because they really didn't know and you know the the business is so much different now as far as the way i mean we had floor time you know so you would come in and because there weren't computers really of such there was very basic computers but They'd have a giant book with every listing and a sheet with the listing in an alphabetical thing. So if somebody called on Main Street, you'd go to M's, and you'd find that (laughs) listing, and you'd say, oh, yeah, this one has a (laughs) two-bedroom as a basement, and we would wait every two weeks. They would come out with a phone book.
0: That's some bullshit, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I mean, you'd have your listings the day they came out, but, like, you wouldn't know about the guy down the street's listing for Uh two weeks. Because every two weeks you'd get a book. And that book would have all the listings printed in it.
0: So I'm guessing the it's game like was crazy. know I'm when the book gets it. it's like crazy. You want to yeah. know when the book gets printed so you can have your listing go live just before and make the book, right? Yeah. Uh, to reduce I, I, your I, days on market. Yeah. Is that kind of the strategy there? That's, yeah, I, that's I don't even I don't
3: know. I don't know that we thought about it that much. But yeah, I mean so you would take floor time. You'd go in there. You didn't have customers. You'd answer, you know, they'd get a call about a house. They drove by. They can't look on Zillow. They don't have on, you don't have cell phones. You know, they go home, write the number down and go to a, a phone and, and, or a rotary phone and, or something like that. But anyway, so that's how that worked, you know. So they provided leads. That was part of the deal was you would get some, you get floor time and you, you get put on the schedule and you'd had to be there from what time to what time they would forward anything that wasn't, you know, a, 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 you know inquiry it wouldn't be a computer inquiry it was a phone inquiry and you know you work that lead so that's kind of how that worked and um i stayed at that company it was was century 21 northwood then they changed their name to century 21 associates because the guy had like 14 offices and it was east west northwood so he renamed it then he st- and then he uh sold that brokerage to bill kirsten century 21 a town and country And, you know, so I went through like 40 office managers, three or, you know, five or 40, you know, office managers, managing brokers, four or five managing brokers, a couple owners. And when the crash came, you know, basically the original owner of that franchise had a fairly aggressive, he had an aggressive commission thing to where you could just pay a monthly fee. And it would equal out to what the 50-50 split is. So if you were doing enough business, you would just do that. It was a little bit better. And you had a payment and you just made your payment and, you you know, you covered it. You didn't worry, you know, if you weren't going to sell enough to cover that, you're screwed anyway. So what's the, what's the point? You know, go get another job. But uh, so that was there. And then when it got sold, they increased their fees, increased their stuff. And I wasn't a flop around guy, so I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to this guy and that guy and whoever has, you know, I was like, my name's here, my name's associated with this company, you know, you just go with it. And But then the crash came and they cut back all their services, their advertising, you know, these are in full page ads and the newspaper and all that and they cut it all back and they didn't, you know, they weren't cutting back. The fees, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? The fees were still higher than I was paying originally because the ownership changes and stuff. And that's when I bailed. Everybody from my office bailed. We had a really strong office. We were the number one office in Royal Oak. And basically everybody just said, we're out of here. So,
0: Damn, can you imagine being that owner? Like, hey, everybody, where Where'd all my agents go? That's <laughs> right. They're
4: gone. Because
3: yep. i got to start over again. Yeah, they had to start over. So, yeah, that's how I ended up at REMAX because they had a fixed plan and – you know, and they'd leave me alone. By that time in my career, I certainly did. You know, the main purpose of a guy with Amen. fifteen franchises, fifteen offices, you know, Kirsten, their main goal in life was to control the agents. Because when you have that many agents, you got a bunch of Yahoo's working for you. <laughs> so their only job is to reel you in to make sure you're not screwing up which means if you're a guy that's actually doing the right thing and know what you're doing, it's just more mm-hmm. cumbersome to do business. Yeah. So
0: that being left alone, it's kind of funny. So I was a wholesaler, no interest in being a real estate agent, but the longer I was a wholesaler, the more I realized the leverage problem was a problem. I've had two back surgeries, but I hadn't had my second back surgery by then. And I was making damn good money wholesaling. But it's like, if you don't, Hunt today, you don't eat tomorrow. And people way smarter than me, who've who done it way longer than me, had tried and failed multiple times to leverage this, too. So I wouldn't say I was looking for something, but I was aware of the problem. And I made a couple attempts myself to solve the problem and failed miserably. And you guys know Joe. Joe's fucking relentless. Whether you love or hate Joe, Joe's fucking relentless. He tried to recruit me, I think every week from like 2013 to 2016 when I joined his team, why did I join KW it had nothing to do with KW. It had everything to do with Joe Delia and Renee. Um, I've, I knew them because I got burned and I had, I had a character flaw that I, I, I think I have under control now. Where I believe any stupid shit and I let people use my empathy against me and I ruined a business and many people's lives. So I was like, I'm not just going anywhere with people I don't know anymore. Like that part of my life is over. I'm going to go with people I like, know and trust and admire. And he wasn't the greatest investor, but he, him and his wife had taken this real estate team and blew it up. And I don't know if he knew it or not, but he hit the right things when he was talking to me finally. He was talking about leverage. And not doing paperwork and doing, and I, I'm bad at paperwork. <laughs> I hate compliance. Um, I don't really want to do any scheduling. If you've ever wholesaled, like it's like herding cats trying to get, you know, I hated all that part. It's like, we do all that. And it's 50, 50 split. And I was like, Hmm, I really thought hard about it. And that's, I decided to do it because I was intrigued by the team model too, by that point, And mostly the leverage. And I honestly didn't think it was going to work out. I told myself I'm going to do it for three years. It's probably going to suck. I'm going to go back to wholesaling. And obviously that is not how it has worked out for me. And for me, I didn't give a shit about the split. If you're going to the, the splits, the, the, you know, how many people here, I'm just going to say this. I haven't, I haven't made it so explicit. I'm just going to make it explicit. Do you know how many people have mocked me over the last five years for the hundreds of thousands of dollars I made Steve Lundo and Joe Delia and Renee when they're like, you're doing 50, 50 splits and you're giving all this shit away. And I can't believe that. And, Here I am sitting now with my own team making way more fucking money than I've ever made in my entire life. I sure fucked that up, right? I learned from some of the best people in the business, and I compensated them for that like an apprentice model, which really works well for me. I know it doesn't work well for everybody. I got to do things and read things and do things. Heavy emphasis on doing things. So that's why I did it. Why am I still here? I'm no longer at Royal Oak, even though I loved Royal Oak. I love the office at Roloke. I love the, the location better, but they hated all the shit I'm doing. They hated my Facebook live. They hated my podcast. They hated me having investors coming in, cold calling people, trying to get the, like I wasn't welcome there when Joe and Renee bought Troy and Rochester and my new broker, Laith. Although I love Steve Kateros. He let me do anything too, but previous owners wouldn't. Nobody lets, nobody gives a shit what I do here. Literally nobody cares. I bring a shit ton of listings and business in, and nobody bothers me. You can do your podcast. You want to have a bunch of guys come in and dial for four hours, and nobody—they just let me do what I want to do. Which, what Tom said, I don't want to be micromanaged. I know I don't know everything that I'm doing, but I know the investor thing pretty well, and I think I've made the podcast thing work out. So I wasn't—I was looking for opportunity and leverage and a real business, and I didn't think I would get it. But it turns out uh, I did. So, all right. Next question. This is a good one. That I'm gonna get. This is the last one of mine that I actually had pre-prepared that we're going to get in everybody else's, right? Yeah. Do you guys think being a real estate agent has made you a better investor?
2: Uh, if so, yes. how? I mean, I, I don't know how it couldn't. You know, I guess, I guess that's that's my uh, my blink. Um, I think the advantage is you're in the market all the time, you know, you're looking for clients, you're, you know, meeting sellers. You've always got your finger on the pulse. Um, obviously, you know, especially like where we do all our stuff, like right through the corridor, if you give me an address you know, I know where it's at, I know know. what I can get. Um, so yeah, they go hand in hand. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think it, it without saying yes.
0: Well, follow-up question for everybody too. Do you think – or when you go on your listing and buyer's appointments, do you talk about being an investor first or do you think that helps you get business too?
2: Ooh, um,
0: or do you keep that ju- to yourself?
4: It,
2: it, yes. So it's so situational um, and what I've learned and I, I'd actually love to hear their answer to this. Sometimes they can be blurred lines. And um, the right opportunity, right, the right conversation, of course I bring it up. Um, I do find people are attracted to it right or wrong. It gives you more credibility than maybe you deserve. Um, especially if you're <laughs> kind of new to doing it. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think the right conversation, I do try to bring it up a regular listing appointment. I'm really not bringing it up unless, unless it presents itself. It's not ironed into my, uh, my listing presentation. Okay. hmm
1: yeah, it's definitely made me uh, a better um, investor. I, I, when when I first got into investing, I was just running towards the shiny objects and not really understanding how to analyze and investment that. properly. And uh, you know, now um, if I'm listing investment property, um, then I can look at the property like an investor. And then that's just made me better at analyzing investment properties period, you know, running pro formas and calculating return on investment and knowing how to, you know, market a property so that it's attractive to investors. All of that helps me improve my game so much. Um, and so, so when I'm working retail, um, it doesn't come up as much except where I think it would be helpful, um, especially with with buyers. Um, you know, it's really helpful to say, hey, when we go in this house, I'm going to be able to give you a pretty good idea of what's wrong with it mm-hmm. so that we know where to structure our offer so that we're just verifying information with the inspector. We're not going to be surprised. You know, I'll be able to tell you if there's something that, I, you know, I don't really like the way this looks or this is something that we have to in- Um, you know, ask the inspector. And that really just comes from years of property management and being an investor. So it's, it's definitely, um, it all goes hand in hand. It just, it just makes me just a much um, more um, intelligent and, uh, you know, multifaceted in all of my enterprises. Mm
3: -hmm. All right. Well, I'd say yes, but I'll flip it. And really, basically, as a realtor, I mean, if you have a real estate license, you're a realtor. doesn't mean that you're a realtor, that you're practicing and you're getting any kind of knowledge base or whatever. So, I looked at investing and doing things and renovations and that kind of stuff as part of a basis of knowledge to be a better realtor. Okay? So, like, I built, I built four houses for myself. So over the years as my primary residence, part of that was an educational project, you know, process. So, you know, the average realtor doesn't know what we know. An average realtor doesn't know what the investor knows out there. If they're, if they're hands on, unless they're just moving money around or something. So, um, you know, really part of that was, yeah, I wanted to make money. I wanted to do investing and I wanted to, to do that. But part of that was, being able to walk into like you were talking about, being able to walk into a building and knowing what the hell's going on, you know? I mean you could make a hell of a lot of money in real estate as a realtor, as selling a lot and all that and have no idea about anything.
0: True, people do do it it. all the time, right?
3: There's a lot of people that do that. So, you know, I mean I'm not I'm just saying what worked for me. What worked for me was to to have some kind of knowledge base that offered that I could that I that I had that made you know, made me different and at least allowed me to think that I could do a better job than the next mm-hmm. guy, you know, as far as it's so more like
0: mastery. You were yeah, thinking mastery. more like you're trying like a mask. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I actually have
2: a podcast.
0: Remind me at the end. I'll, I'll see if it's a good
2: fit. I think to kind of touch on that, like, like they're both saying is the investor where you're lucky, you get more experiences, you know, I mean, like she's talking, I mean, houses that are banged up, like, it does it feeds the knowledge source you know so i i agree with what both them said right on man well i
3: when i you know when i was you know i had a young family and all the rest of that i would buy crappy houses and fix them up i couldn't afford a, a bigger house it was mm-hmm. all fixed up so it was like part of the journey was i had to do this stuff to to you know to move along until you know and then i built my first house to move into and blah blah blah
0: very cool I like the mastery concept. Um, I had a very bad attitude when I started. Shocker, right? Um, <laughs> from the REO days and agents, and I came in with a poor personal attitude. Uh, I
1: think I remember. Yeah, and I and I think you stopped because Joe told you, dude, you got to stop posting crazy stuff on social media. <laughs> that
0: and I remember I asked Gina. I was like. I was like, Gina, how much do I complain about being an agent? She says, every day. And that was the last time.
1: You just create a complaint about humanity in general, I think. <laughs>
0: I, I stopped. I was like, you know what? <laughs> what is this? Am I, am I going to try it or am I going to bitch about it? But I did for a long time. I had – people don't think attitude matters. If you, No matter how hard you work, if you approach it with a poor attitude, you're just automatically reducing your your return on investment. And I was. Yeah. I was after about a year. And when I asked Gina that question, I stopped and then I realized how wrong I was. And I'm actually gonna do a podcast on why I think being an agent could actually help you be a better investor too. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have any money, how many at this point, how many thousands of negotiations have I had? I've had way more negotiations in three years of being a real estate agent than I had in the previous nine years As a real estate investor and I got to do it with other people's money. Um, I'm a relationship guy, so I don't work areas. I work relationships. I got to learn new things, trying to figure out something in Waterford. That shit's hard, man. You got a million dollar house next to $30,000 house on a crawl next to a 1960 ranch next to the. So I was thrown in the fucking deep end on this stuff and I realized what this did for me. I started seeing opportunities. Everywhere, especially because when I got started, we were about two years into a rapidly appreciating market. So working for other people forced me to look, especially outside Detroit, until until I started wholesaling with Steve in 2014. I think I did three deals outside Detroit. So we're talking like 450 Detroit deals. I didn't even look in the suburb. Complete tunnel vision to being an agent and the polar opposite and I started seeing more and more opportunities especially in rapidly appreciating areas and then I had to admit to myself damn man this might actually be a legit way to like <laughs> I never would have looked I never would have done those things I never would have had I'm a way better negotiator now like I things I hadn't considered because of my uh initially piss poor attitude about doing the job and if you have that I know what it's like just let it go I know maybe if you don't, I had to ask a couple people to believe it myself. So if you don't believe yourself, ask a few people that you trust. And if they both give you the same answer, (laughs) trust them and make the change. And that's what I did. And I just shut the fuck up about it. So I now use it more as like a selling point because everybody loves trashing real estate agents. So I'll get in front of Renegade Trite investors. It's a fun thing to do. Trash a bunch of real estate agents. By the way, I'm one, you know, I think it's kind of funny too, right? The (laughs) irony there. I hate them, but there I am. But anyway, that's, um, I think it made me a way better uh, investor. I ran way more comps. I learned way more things, way more negotiating opportunities, and then work with people like you guys and other people. That's one thing agents really have. Yeah, we got these RIAs for investors, but agents network way more, way, way more. And there's way more good examples of what is possible pretty much anywhere that's easier to find too. So, if you're looking for someone that you admire or a business you like, it's a lot easier to find in the real estate agent world. Don't get me wrong. I know I talk shit about them, but that I'm talking about that 10% at the top that are really doing things really, really well. I think there are better examples here, too. So, I had way more better examples um, to follow Joe and Renee, and obviously lots and lots of other people. So, yeah, if you got a bad attitude about it, and I, I understand it, uh, you know, maybe, maybe change your mind. I did. All right. Tommy Desmond, this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> I want to hear about. I want to hear exclusively about CRMs and office splits. He's joking about the office splits, but I uh,
2: Tommy's joking about the CRMs too. <laughs> I think so
0: too, but I'm going to take the CRM thing seriously because it's a question I get a lot. So thank you, Mr. Desmond. Um, tell me about CRMs. What CRMs do you guys use? You see mine right now, right? Nice. Yeah. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: good to have stuff right in front of you, yeah. though. It helps.
0: So for buyers, folks, what I'm pointing at, I know it's on the podcast, I have one wall with buyers. And I got one wall with deals. Nice. All right. Got, this is for our wholesale stuff. We're and trying to and s-
2: you're asking like how we utilize the CRM or just – What CRM what do you use?
0: use? How do you use it? What's your philosophy behind it? What have you tried and failed at? Kind of just give right. people some ideas. I think people like to hear what other people are doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So they our, go test some stuff. Our team uses Top Producer. Um, and um, there's a lot of them out there. I mean the, the thing that I can tell you is I feel like all of them do around the same thing um each has their, their own caveat with the reason we use top producer we get a heavy lead flow from realtor.com so it sinks in there through five street um we call it on our team feeding the beast you know that your database is everything yeah in retail uh don't know much about wholesaling i would assume the same same yeah yeah you know in in what we try to uh coach and train and i think the understanding on our team is we're kind of like a wrestling team, right? We, uh, we collect our hardware together, but we kind of scrap alone. So that CRM for them is really their business. Um, when we're to- uh, talking, coaching, training, you know, it's kind of around that. The way our CRM, uh, CRM operates though is we've automated it. Um, our agents basically click two, one of two buttons when these leads come in. And basically when it automates it, if that person has been talked to, it kind of sets out an action plan, a, a correct amount of steps, right, hopefully to produce that sale. Um, and then if they don't talk to them, it generates another action plan. Really, as a team, that's what we're trying to do for our guys is kind of automate all that. Um, so we use it to automate the sale. It, I think, again, without automating the follow-up, there, there's a lot of things that go missed. And what's nice for our agents is they just show up, they plug into that platform, and they're off and running. You know so as long as they're organized kind of like we teach them if you're a master time blocker and can trust in your databasing you know then all the works in front of you you just do it and, and plow through it. So Have you try
0: anything besides top producer or just
2: no I mean well that's not true. we used uh, e edge um yeah, it's pretty rough at least me as a realtor like when i came into this business i mean i had no fucking database like it's better than nothing yeah but i i mean i i literally had nothing so i, I kind of had to like start over and, and face that fact we used eEdge, which is basically a, it's a nice platform that that keller gives you um kind of tickled it you know played with it a little bit in uh the second year as the end of the, the team we uh we started utilizing top producer at a a much higher level, but that's what we use it for automation. um, And uh, then obviously like the 36 touch programs, everything's worked out of there. That's that's your wheelhouse, man. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I I have used top producer before I found it to be really cumbersome. Um, Like uh, I, what I did like about it, like as far as like following up with leads, what I did like about it is templates for, um, like task lists for deals that you're working on. Like you could just input like a set, like template for buyers, sellers, you know? And, um, so now my office provides follow-up boss, which I think is much more robust. Um, but it doesn't provide that task management template ability. So I use Wonderlist for that. And the, those two combined really work for me. Um, so, so, with a lead comes into our system, they, there is an automatic response by text and email. And then once they respond back, um, you can be off and running. I love being able to just, you know, program in reminders for myself. If I didn't reach somebody one day, you know, it's on my task list for the next day or two days from then. Um, so, so that, and so but i think if if stuff is too automated i think people people know when they're getting like a pre-programmed email every day so um but what i like about follow up is you can see when they open it so you have somebody that's opening your emails but not responding to you they're obviously interested curious enough so that like gives me enough um to just like keep up with them send them a text here give them a call a couple days later really just you know know that they're still engaged even if they're not at the point where they're responding. So that's been really powerful for us. Um, So, yeah, I I know that I don't do nearly everything it's capable of doing i i just really don't have time to it's just a good problem to have to really just sit down and, and learn how to work it even more than than i have stumbled into so
0: i um, feel like that's only going to be more and more true going into the future too <laughs> right? like at some point maybe another 10 years we got to hire
2: somebody just to do like database shit like it's getting I mean, the I technology is really well, just, i mean a lot of bigger teams that you know than us i mean farm all that out yeah you know, and, and one quick point in that, like on the automation, all all that I meant is uh, it signals responses to our agents, just like she was saying, Hey, do this, do that. What we try to do is keep it mindless for them, you know, so they can obviously push out the quantity. Um, but just like she's saying, I, I wouldn't use a platform that, you know, you're talking to like an iRobot kind of thing. Yeah, but it's uh, not it's not an
0: excuse you, to not have real communication yeah, you with got, people. It, what it's just so
2: she, you don't drop the ball. Yeah. exactly what it should do is keep you accountable to those actions yes. yeah calls mm-hmm. text emails um as a team we always talk i mean we'd rather talk to someone you know versus text uh email that that's obviously ideal
0: i know i'll i'll be the first to admit i probably lost at least a million dollars in business from forgetting to follow up or following up a week later okay. i mean i think we can
2: on that point, it makes me sick that, funny enough right makes so me that sick. Would, yeah that was Couple the million yeah. yeah, that yeah. was the pain that I went through to finally say, "Okay, like my shit's broken a little bit." Yeah, and we were really heavy, and uh, we still are, are pretty heavy on mojo. And uh, really, that's what we realized, you know, like we were so late to the game and follow up. Oh, you know, we'd already listed, we'd already done this, and you know that that was a, a hole we had to fix. And so, so far, so good.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, here so. we go, Tom. <laughs> Database. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I'm not, I don't love paperwork. I can do it all, and I don't love database entry or any of that other kind of stuff. But way, 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 way back in the dinosaur days, we had this thing called DOS. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that's the, it. that's the databases I started <laughs> C with. C prompt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Was the name of the program. I Act. could never figure out. Act. Act. I was, could never figure it was out. Was the first database. Then I dabbled in top producer and God knows how many other ones over the years. But, um, I am probably into lying now. I use Google docs and Google contacts and Google stuff a lot. Um, I don't have a team. I'm not feeding 20 people. It's me. It's my staff, you know? Um, so my staff kind of is in charge of keeping track of stuff, and uh, they do a lot of the, the grunt work and the follow-up and all the rest of that. But, yeah, you definitely, I mean, there's there's something to be said about that. I, again, I probably have missed out on, on, on business. And the, the style, the type of business that I've had the last decade has been different than I had the first, you know, whatever amount of years I did a lot of retail. I do a lot less retail work than I used to um, so I have repeat clients that just are repeat clients that work at a different, lo- you know, it's a different level or, or a different, um, workflow. So I'm not getting a guy from Zillow calling and having to chase that guy down to do, I mean, I still get, you know, calls from, you know, those, I still get leads and stuff, but it's more, uh, a lot of listings from a different, different kind of sources. So it's a little bit. A little bit different, but yeah, Lion Desk is the one that's with real comp now that I'm mm-hmm. kinda and Remax has one and you know, it's a it is it's kinda like a full time job. And yeah, I need one. you know, yeah. you need an assistant just to do database. So um so
0: Well, full time job when you're Tom Hutt, Jan. Matthew Strand, once you have a lot of business, yeah, it's it's fucking overwhelming. But when you right. start, it, it shouldn't be too bad. No. i feel wanna... like,
1: I'm going to call my three leads today. Yeah, it's not so bad.
0: <laughs> once you have like $12 million in business or like $20 million, then it's a whole different ball of wax. You just have some, but when you start, so don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated.
2: But I, and I would push, I mean, I, I would assume there are you know, some listeners that are just getting started. But you'd be shocked, man. I mean, you'd be shocked at what you could outsource. At seven bucks, eight bucks an hour. Dude,
0: that's the best part about so, being a real estate agent.
2: Yeah. I mean, so there's still very ledger- leverage activities for even the, the people early in the game. You know, if you don't want to fucking put 200 entries in, spend probably 60 bucks. Yeah. Get a VA it out of the Philippines. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I can add to that, I, I don't know if this is maybe a CRM they were looking for, but we use Brevity, you know, on the back yeah, end. Same and, thing. And uh, like we have an ops manager, Lisa. Um, you know, I, I, most times between probably 15 and 25 deals at a time. That's our CRM to kind of handle that madness on the back end. Um, she's kind of just getting acclimated with it. We're kind of like clunky with it right now. Um, but that seems to be a, a big tool for the future. It provides a lot of, you know, task lists. It helps her kind of organize that chaos. So. More of a back-end CRM, I
0: guess. Yeah, I don't know shit about brevity All I know is the Dealey Group used it. So when I went out on my own, that's
2: what I use. So I <laughs> yeah, I didn't need much more than that. Yeah, either. I don't yeah, need to yeah. pretend
0: like I'm smarter than all these people doing way better than me. I could just be like, hey,
2: it's working for them. I just
0: – I, I, and I'm giving you permission too, especially if you're one of these originality people and you're oh so special and everything's going to be a desert flower. what. <laughs> You might be that one person who's way smarter than everybody else, but statistically it's very unlikely. Uh, I give you permission to steal and deploy. That's a smart yeah. Yeah.
4: way to do it. R&D, rip off yeah. and duplicate. Yeah. yeah.
0: Find somebody doing what you want to do, who's doing it well, and then copy what they're doing. And that's what I did too, brevity. I've used, so like when I was with Steve, I used Zoho, which um, I actually really liked. I did find it cumbersome, but full disclosure, my personality, I got bad ADD, like, if I, I've thought about 10 seconds, I'm mad for eight seconds that I haven't done something about it, right? So I need a very low barrier to to entry. If I got to click too many times, I just have to know myself. I know plenty of people who aren't like that. So just as I give this recommendation, this is who it's coming from, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: My favorite, I did Zoho. I liked it. It was easy, but it was a little cumbersome. I did Top Producer, what I liked about top producer was how simple it was. We didn't use it very long on the daily group because we went to team leads, which was horrible. I hated team leads. It was the exact opposite. It could do everything and I couldn't figure out a fucking thing. All I <laughs> need to do is call these people back and I got 28,000 tasks in here. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, yeah. I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just go well, to my, my phone. Right? Yeah. Uh, I loved follow up boss, but yeah. you're going to like this. I never use it as a real estate agent. I used it wholesaling.
4: Hmm.
0: It was so great because it's so simple. Like if you're like me and you don't want to mess around a lot and you just want to go in and like, what do I have to do right now for me? Follow boss. Cause as soon as you log in, it was just right there. Oh, I got to do these 12 things today. I use it more on the wholesaling side. Um, right now I kind of use a spreadsheet and nothing. I'm, I'm kind of, I haven't decided yet. I'm sitting in between Keller command, which doesn't look like it's going to be done anytime damn soon. Mm-hmm. And now that I have a team, I need something. So right now, I use my Google Calendar. I use my um, iPhone contacts. I use a spreadsheet. And for our buyers, I have a fancy schmancy wall system going here where I got a buyer's name and what they're looking for on one wall. And then every morning, Jay and I go through all the wholesale deals. And we find something we think it's a deal. We put it up on the other wall. And then we try and smash the two. So. I mean, I do. We just started though, so we can get away with this sure. for a yeah. little while. We've some been doing much, it for like two some months. Somewhat
3: similar to what you're talking about, I do Google Sheets just because then staff can edit it at the same time, and I can access it on my phone. I can access it, you know, on my desktop. She can be on it, and then I also have giant whiteboards with everything. Mm-hmm. So I have all my listings. Giant whiteboards. In fact, I just reconfigured the office, so I have like way more. Real estate of blank walls to hang boards for nice. different things. So, I
0: do like whiteboards. I was actually going to paint these walls, I just haven't got to it yet. Do some whiteboard paint, yeah. And
2: do. That, we, that's what we have, we, just yeah. like Tom was saying. Yeah, it. we just have a big board, and it uh, like every Monday and Thursday, we have a meeting. It's a quick way to go in hey, we're here, here, yeah. here, and here.
3: It's easy to I see. I like if, visual. If some, I'm very visual, so if so, if she has if it's not marked, checked. Then I can complain about it or ask about it because I don't want to ask did the title work come in? Did you do the follow up on? Is it clear to close it? Is this, this? uh, It's there, 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 there. I don't have to bug her as much. So, because I'm going to bug her. Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) even though she's doing it, I'm going to ask. And, you know, so I, yeah, less hassle. All
0: right, Tommy. We're not going to talk about office splits. I think we covered that last time. None of us give a shit about office splits. We're looking for opportunity, folks, at least on this side. All right, Joe Delia. What is their perspective on iBuyers and their impact on the market when they arrive in Southeast Michigan? And for those who don't know what iBuyer is, think of it kind of like a quasi corporate wholesaler. There's some different things they do, but essentially they pay cash. It's a discount, it's not much of a discount depending on what it is. and they use automated value instead of like a CMA or appraisal approach. Right. And then they give you a percentage of that property and then they go and resell that property. And there's a bunch of different ones out there. So Mm. if you just go type in, I buyer, right. Everybody kind of has their own program. So that would be like an alternative to a wholesaler or a real estate agent. So if you didn't know what that was, that's what Joe's talking about. What do you guys think?
2: You know, and I, I'll be very honest. I probably don't know enough to, to speak intelligently, so I'm, I'm going to just touch it and, and move on. Um, eh, look, you know, I mean, there's some very disruptive things, you know, going on in the real estate industry. I think it's one. Um, the only thing that I don't like about it, and, you know, maybe this is me trying to hold on to it, too, is that you're not getting a full CMA, you know. So are you leaving something on the table? You know, I, I hope the consumer sits and thinks about that, but I don't know. I, I'm watching it and I, I don't, I don't have one way or the other at this point other than there, there's some disruptance out there. Yeah.
0: No, Joe's worried about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the disruption would be that the eye buyer would go right to the seller, even with the property is not listed basically. Yes.
0: And like, for instance, Keller Williams has their own plan coming out allegedly next year. Um, where you don't get paid shit for commission. I think it's like 1% or whatever it is, but you can offer it when you go on your listing appointment. Right? So,
1: sort of like a limited service type thing.
0: Well, no, they literally buy it and resell okay, it. Okay, got gotcha. it. Yeah.
1: So, something that Zillow is kind of doing right now. Yes, you can, they have the same thing. Yeah, we're making an offer on my home right now. That's a
0: little different, but very similar. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I mean, um, I have read about agents who, listing agents who who've gotten offers from iBuyer type companies and they say it's very cumbersome. Like they send out like 17 different inspectors to inspect a different component of the house. And so it doesn't seem like as streamlined, like maybe sometimes adding in all of that automation can be very clunky, especially at the beginning. So, um, I, I'm not necessarily feeling like, uh, I feel like my market is way too nuanced. Um, for, you know, uh, like a, some kind of a fund with like an algorithm to come in and really be able to do a lot with it, um, you know, I'm sure that may change in the future as it becomes um, more streamlined. And um, But for right now, I, I, I feel like as long as I stay on top of my game, I don't have to worry about it.
2: And I think that's like what's kind of interesting, right? Because it's all backed by big data, essentially. I, my thought, and I think where it gets a little scary, is that I think what big data really needs right now is time. They need to acquire more data. So, kind of like she's saying, I feel I'm in a very niched area. Like through the corridor, there, there's there's extreme differences. Um, just how quick will that gap be bridged? So it's 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 worth keeping an eye on.
3: All right. So, even. Really, I mean, realtors are going to get impacted, but the investor community is really going to get hammered. That's the one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe realtors are going to get really hammered too, but definitely investors because now you have national companies with national power. And I buy you know, Keller. I mean, there's a Keller guy in Royal Oak that's got, I'll buy your house. Call me on all of his signs now that does a lot of business. Yep. So this is not, this is, this is a, this is a thing that's happening. You know, everybody wants to get their pound of flesh right now. If you're a big listing agent, now you're going to try to, you know, Mark with the zaggy last name, you know, same thing up by your house for cash, you know, whatever. So everybody's doing it. It's heading that way. The behemoth to be afraid of is Zillow. Think so? Oh yeah. All right. Do you, I, uh, do they have the data?
0: Yeah. Until we stop giving it to
3: them, right? Do they have the listings? Mm-hmm. Do they have the eyeballs? They've got everything. So in their buy program really won't be, you know, will they buy houses? Will they make money on buying houses? Yeah. But that's not their end goal. Right. How do they make their huge amount of money now? Selling leads back. Mm-hmm. Buyer leads to agents, right? We give them their data. And then we give them money to give them give us give back, back our yeah. data. So, <laughs> so but fair. let you know, think about it for two seconds. Now, what they're doing is they're flipping the gears to being a listing generation fee company. So there there's the meat. If they do a thousand, they go to a thousand sellers that they want to give up, even if they don't buy it. Now they have a lead to give to their preferred vendor who pays them. Got awful amounts of money, you know, and so as an industry, you kind of screwed the pooch, you know. They screwed the pooch of mi- uh, the uh, the Board. the <laughs> real the National Association of Realtors when they sold <laughs> realtor.com, yeah, screwed the pooch. That was the beginning of you know what now is a massive mistake because you know, they don't, you know, Murdoch owns it, you know, Fox News owns Mm realtor.com so it's like you know so it's it's kind of out of out of the realtor's hands having said that who the hell cares adapt adapt you know I've only reinvented myself in real estate a dozen times so (laughs) you know there'll be a there'll be a couple more before I'm over
4: yeah
1: Yeah. I mean, um, there are how many agents are in our network that sell a house or two a year, if anything. I mean, those are the agents that are really going to be effective. Those are the ones that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just hoping something comes their way. The people who actually are innovating and getting up every day and hitting the phones. And there are people out there that don't want to deal with, you know, there are people that are going to hire the agent on the billboard all day long. And there are the people that are going to want the direct referral so there are always going to be people that have a different style in the way that they make decisions about the most important investment that they have in their lives and you know we we just have to be there to to capture those people and the people who are gonna have zillow do it for them they probably weren't my in my network anyway
2: very true yeah the pie the pie is big enough for everybody i love what tom said i mean yeah you're always going to be adapting to something uh we'll see yeah
0: more and more my perspective is way more wholesaler than real estate agent but they're they're kind of the same thing and I thought long and hard about how to say this and I've talked myself out of saying it multiple times but I'm just going to fucking say it I don't understand how an AVM can find the opportunities to exploit yes I'm using the word exploit but I'm using like the hundred year old word exploit not like what they made it in the 60s To basically exploit, um, that's not a better way to put it, but just to exploit humans being humans. Right. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example of a fringe neighborhood. I've done this multiple times and I've been right more times than I've been wrong. How, when you go do an AVM, And a rapidly appreciating neighborhood, how is that AVM going to take that into account when you're running comps and telling the seller what it's going to sell for in six months? There is a lot of, I don't know, what do you want to, just lethargy, incompetence. You would be surprised how many times you push the envelope, especially on a conventional loan, and you get that number back. And I don't see how you can do that with an AVM. And obviously... That would be very much in the iBuyer's pro selling, right? Because they offer this discounted and they buy it and they buy it at a discount and they resell it, right? And then who knows what will happen? The market usually fixes it. The good thing about putting on the market, even if you're an agent who doesn't know what they're doing, if you list something too low and too hot of a neighborhood and a rapidly appreciating market, the 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 good thing about listing with an agent, even if they don't know... So long as they're not dumb enough to accept the first offer that comes in, right? Most of them aren't. Some of them are. And then they brag about on Facebook. I'm like, don't do that. Everybody can see you. You realize that, right? They automatically get bailed out by the market. I don't understand how an AVM is going to do this. Also, all my business, almost all my business is business to business. I don't know a single investor who really wants to sell at a discount. Every one of them wants top dollar. And even the civilians I've worked for, mostly blue collar, who fucking love me, by the way, white collar, not so much, but like blue collar, like, oh, this guy's money hungry. He wants to give, it. oh yeah, I fucking like this guy. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think they, everybody's selling. I've met one communist selling in my life. Just one. <laughs> Just one. I don't know. How do you overcome that human desire to maximize your return. I don't care what kind of foam and mouth left leaning liberal you are. When you go to sell your house for retirement or your kid's college or your grandkids college, the human comes out like the religion and the politics evaporates (laughs) and you want to do the best you can for your family. I think that is a human universal. Um, that being said, I think there's a reason why they, they rolled this out in the Western States a lot more. Um, Newer houses, more of the same houses where like an automated value can actually work more. Like how would that work in Redford? Right. That'd be a little bit more challenging. Waterford would be impossible. I don't know how you would do it. Downtown condos, one condo to the next. Yeah, I don't either. even try. I say call Jan.
1: Yeah. That's what I Or in That's little pocket neighborhoods where, like Woodbridge, which are surrounded yeah. by just like, like burnouts and everything. I mean, how do you, but Zillow can't do it with their algorithm. No.
0: So. How are they going to do it all of a sudden? Yeah. But if you're out West and there's like. 10,000 houses and this has all been planned and they all built within five years and they're all the same three floor plans. Then it gets a little, little easier, but then how do you take into account all the manipulation? Like when they drop the interest rate, the second you drop the interest rate, you increase purchasing power. Now you just increase the likelihood of appreciation because generally people will, they buy on a payment, not on the purchase of the house. So I don't know how you factor these things in. I do think it's going to hurt. Some wholesalers. Especially on the prettier properties. I can't imagine iBuyer going in on a lot of these and dealing with the sellers and the situation they're in, which is almost always horrible. You know? You know, There's you guys no know. Ugly
1: house factor. Yeah. You got
0: human problems you gotta you gotta get mm-hmm. through. You gotta be their friend, be their counselor, sometimes be a police officer. Like <laughs> it's it's everything. You got I don't understand how I Buyer can do that. What I also don't understand how iBuyer can do is uh, you're not going to beat me, iBuyer. What are you going to do? Are you Are going to go and close more than me? Who are you going to send out for 1%? I just want to know
2: because well, I, I, I want to hire real. this person.
0: I couldn't get somebody for less than 50% on the wholesale side, 50% of my profit. I want to know how you're going to take someone who can walk in and on half the wholesale appointments like Steve and walk out with contracts on 50% of them. How is iBuyer going to compete with that? I think it's maybe more of the prettier houses or, and then one market shift, does iBuyer go away? Cause now you have all this inventory you bought it supposedly a discount. You guys saw how fast it shifted last time, right? 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, yeah. 20, 30% reduction. And then iBuyer's gone. Corporate money's gone. Maybe they rent it out. I don't know. Um, I definitely think this is early and maybe I'll be more. Concerned about it and the future, but I'm also with everybody else here. That I mean, this is not what I started doing, and what I do now is different than what I did three years ago. That's that's probably going to just keep changing, right? And that pace Always. is going to increase. So yeah,
2: it's only going to get faster. Yeah, and
0: um, everybody here has survived multiple, you know, ass weapons, right? Like, so what's one more at this point? <laughs> you know, just get in line. You yeah. know, we're used to it. We're a little bit more. I hope. I know you're more, more worried about it, Joe, but I hope that, um, answer your question. Maybe I'm wrong. So maybe we're all wrong. All right. Mr. John Wilcox. This is interesting. We got to be careful talking about this too. Uh, but let's do our best. What are their thoughts on the class action lawsuit regarding sellers paying buyers commission and how could it change the real estate agent landscape? Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. I mean it's a owner a broker owner concern because they're the ones that would be you know what I'm saying getting getting sued I don't think individual agents even though even if you're named in the lawsuit an individual agent uh, it's pretty hard to collude an industry if I'm one guy you know
1: mm-hmm. I mean I feel like <clears throat> what probably will happen is that the You know, the commission on the closing statement will show up on to all the listing side and the listing side will just pay it out. Like, we'll just solve that problem, you know, you know, or worst case scenario, buyers will start paying commission. Sale prices will come. You know what I mean? Like, there's a million different ways to resolve this. What are the people that are suing? What are they really like? Like, really, what is the beef here? Like, what is the real problem?
0: I think they want. This is an effort to reduce commission across the industry, right? But I That's think, what and, I think. And it
2: goes well. We were just talking about the I buyers and Redfin. That's what it is. It, it's an attack you know, on the commission. They're trying to break the chains. It's the same thing the mortgage brokers went through. It's very similar.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I say bring it, motherfuckers. That's what I think. Let, bring I think it. At the <laughs> end of the day, and, and it's what everyone is saying right here, it's going to boil down to the value. There, yeah, what's your value prop? just problem? some people who would rather pay less thinking they're going to get more. And I'm sure these guys can tell you. I mean, we're beating the shit out of Redfin people. It's because they don't care. No, they, they don't. They don't there's, that's what they don't understand. You've employed someone who, you know, I mean, they've already committed to 1%. You're not getting a rock star. And like what we try to explain to folks, for me to sell your house for another 2 or 3%, pretty confident we can do it. You know, I mean, it's that whole Fizbo thing, you know what I'm saying? So it's in the same realm, but I, I think just like you said, it's, there's an attack going on, you know, and it's coming from a lot of different places. I am watching it. I'm telling, we're telling our team and our agents that, you know, now's the time, man. All I know right now is, you know, it's probably as good as it's going to get. So, you know, let's go get it.
0: I'm going to steel man their argument a little bit, play a little uh, devil's advocate because I do think this is going to – or something like this. I don't think this is going to do it. This is the beginning, right? Nothing happens quickly. We got the Teachers Union and the National Association of Realtors. Breaking those, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but obviously there's an agenda to break both of them. They've broken everything else. That's probably going to happen at some point. Too, but they're like the two last big dogs standing, right? They got regulatory capture; they they protect their, which in this case uh, as real, real estate agents, right? And then this, they're coming after saying commission, right? So I'm going to steel man argument that you know, the National Association of Realtors uh, has it could maybe have done a way better job of improving the quality of of Realtors when, and I throw out the 90. percent I don't know what the exact is. I'm just basing that on. How many closes, right? If you close less than four a year, unless you're part-timing it, you're not, you're not, you're not breaking, you're not breaking any records. Is a 10% at the top that close the vast majority of all purchases and all sales, right? So the other 90% and I've, <clears throat> I'll just say the way it is. They, they fuck their friends and family for 6%, right? They play, they play. And it, with enough people playing part-time it's easy to see why the consumer or some of these consumer advocates would be like, hey, we're not getting our value out of this. Why if we're just well, we just give it to a computer to do? What are you really, really doing? And that would be their steel manning their argument, right? We wanna we wanna break this free into the market. And then I'll flip over on the other side and say, I don't worry about adding value. I work for a bunch of savage and investors and people who want to maximize their their return they're not going to pay me what i want unless they're making way more right um and not just money but like knowledge and everything else so what is your value proposition as well, as i would put out there if your value proposition is i will send you emails and i will open doors well that's pretty low on the low end right mm-hmm. it's it's easy to understand why there's a red fence for that, and why there's people who will sign up for 1%, because what do you really have to do? You send an email and you open doors. I mean, there's always. What is your responsibility?
3: There's always been discount brokers, and that's yeah. it is what it is. People want to do that, they do it. If they want to sell by themselves, they sell by themselves. Yeah. If you're a wholesaler, you're not going to list it with a realtor normally. You're going to sell it directly, bubble. You know, so that's all good, but. <laughs> I think that the, the class action lawsuit is a, a law firm that specializes in class action lawsuits. Yeah, it's probably it's more about money. They're not, the they're not a consumer protection agency. They're not a <laughs> – yeah. tra- I was trying know, to
0: steel man it. I was red, trying to make the yeah, best argument red I could.
3: or any of that kind of stuff. They're a company. They're, they're a law firm. that That's what they specialize. They like to sue people. They tobacco, this, that, and the other. That's what they do. They're looking for money. They get 30% of whatever, no. you know, most class action lawsuits that end up, you get something in the mail that says you're entitled to 1095 of a $14.8 billion <laughs> settlement. When yeah I
1: send that request in and I get my check. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> I my mean, 10.
3: It is what it is. Take my 1095. It's it's certainly, you know, fodder for for news programs and whatever. And it is what it, I don't know, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen long term with commissions or anything. I don't really care, but, you know, if I'm busy busy enough that I don't need to you know discount my commission because I'm going to earn what I get. And that's, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, it's the same thing that we hear over and over, like on the, the Facebook pages and everything. It's like the contractors, you know, contractors charge you too much. The realtors charge yeah. too much. Everybody, you get what you pay and all that. And there's, it's, it's a grain of salt in between all that, you know, right. one of the things like, you know, real estate, you say, you know, realtors, and it's like, you kind of almost have to know, it's like if it wasn't for the buyers and the sellers, the title company, the lender and the other agents, you know, real estate would be fun. You know, it's like it's real. It's it job. would. It's all yeah. the stuff that you have to deal with. It's, yeah. you know, it's a job.
0: It's not but, easy to, to, especially in any sort of volume, to navigate either. I'm not sure how you would. You need, like, okay, like. I do pro photos on every one of my listings, right? I can't do that for 1%. I can't do that for 1.5%, especially at my price point. I mean, I think I got myself up to like 135 by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. But there's just no way. Like, I can't provide that level of service. I got a transaction coordinator, all the stuff I got to do, the marketing. like.
2: think I think that's what becomes interesting because, yeah, I mean, right, as a business owner, you know, that's what I'm looking at. To me – If it goes that route, it changes the dynamic of what we do. You know, I think in that scenario, it really does happen. We're paper pushers. You you know, I'm not going to have necessarily a team of 20 agents. I'm going to have a back end of 40. That's a good point. You know, if it goes off
0: the rails completely, just completely pivot. We're all
2: saying here too is, you know, we're going to adapt to it. I think the strong will survive. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, Kind of like we're talking. I mean, some of the people in this market are, it's insane. Yeah. You know, it's been good for so long and not to be a dick, but like, what's a part-time agent? You know, I mean, it doesn't sound like you were probably doing, Tom was doing part-time numbers, right? It's just to sell two or three houses is a, uh, wow. Yeah, you're you know, not even like, um, So uh, again, you know, where, where it goes, I don't know, but I, I can see a change in the dynamic. Of what's done, so
0: yeah. Well, I again, think consumers need to do better too. Would you hire a plumber? Like, okay, how many jobs you done this year? Two, but I think I got a third one mm-hmm. and another couple of months. You should but definitely hire you. me. I, you know, I, I had a I know, family. I trust you. You know, like that. There, and there's
2: nothing wrong with that. I mean, people, are, you know, obviously have the choice out there. But I also find that a lot of those people are the same people telling, you know, I got a used car salesman. I got yeah. this. Yeah, you're you're not dealing with a pro.
0: You know what I'm thinking yeah. of? I'm thinking of that meme of that guy riding the bike who puts the stick in the front spoke and then falls down. It's like, damn it. you know, <laughs> It's everybody's fault except for
2: my own. Exactly. Yeah. If you hire I mean, your friend from church. I think we can all church, talk about this as an investors too, right? Yeah. Like bringing it to that is you pay for what you get. You do. you know. And if you want dog shit, then don't complain when you need yeah. it. Sometimes right. I like You know what? Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't want service.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Sometimes I just want to go. Buy something. I, who doesn't like a convenience store? Am I in there for a relationship? Mm-hmm. No. I want a cold ass bottle of water and a bag of <laughs> peanuts right now.
1: Sometimes I want WebMD to tell me what's wrong with me instead of a real doctor. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. I don't I don't judge either, but I do think people <laughs> are willing to pay for what they what they want, right? And I don't know. I guess I'm not that worried about this is the same thing. I trust in the market. I trust Too early. in the market right so if I provide enough value long enough disciplined enough the market should recognize it at some point no matter what that value looks like right because who knows you're right Tom we could be doing something way different I'm not even doing the same thing I was doing three years ago who knows what 10 years looks like right and but. funny
2: and funny enough I mean this kind of comes back to the uh, the database question right so I do think one of the changes that could happen in the future if all that happens to is Business really does become a lot more relationship based. So, you know, going back to that when we were talking that, yeah, that's why it's important to stay in contact and in front of the people that you know you've created a raving fan with. So again, just a a different landscape. All right. Second question from Mr.
0: John Wilcox. What he says, what are your best lead generation strategies? But I think I'm gonna take out best. Uh, cause I think we all probably have multiple, right? Certainly. I don't want to just talk about the one and I know we all do things differently too. So how do you guys generate leads?
2: Yeah. So, so for us as a team, I mean, one, I, I guess the first thing that I would say is lead generation is an attitude, you know, it's, uh, it's accepting what, what it takes to, you know, make money in this business. So that's the first thing I, I it's a game of failure. Right? Like we tell our guys, 3 out of 10, you're in the fall of fame. Um, for us, it's a, it's a, it's a time-blocked, systematic time that we do it. Monday through Thursday, my agents are in from 9 to 11.30. That's the only time that we have office hours, but that's all we're doing. We're lead genning and following up. Mondays and Wednesdays are mojo days. Tuesdays and Thursdays are follow-up. Um, candidly, and you know, talking to maybe all the new agents that are listening now, Everyone, everyone, like when they come and you know, ask me questions at at the office, you know, this and I'm working on that. No, no one is ever saying, yeah, I'm calling people, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm doing this. And I think I honestly, I think that's why so many people fall. And it's such a it's such a sexy business, you know, build a website and build out your social media and all that where it is a nasty, dirty, grimy business where it's a contact sport. Now, some of the lead generating activities are fun. You know, you can go networking. You can go golfing. You're doing business everywhere. As a team, like I was saying earlier, we're really strong on Realtor.com. So that's one of our big lead sources. Just like Tom was saying, I mean, it's a big chunk of change. Um, we spend about $9,000 a month on it, but it pays dividends. You know, out of the 110, 115 homes we'll sell – um I bet you seventy eighty of them will probably come out. Wow, in. okay. and our thought and maybe on a little bit of a tangent here, but as a team leader, i've always been bucked in the beginning, and not so much now, that you shouldn't spend. Um, yeah, I, I would love to run and build a business that I didn't have to put money into it, but I, I think uh, I don't think that exists, and the thing that I like about the leads, as a lead source is they are proprietary to some point. Meaning I own the zip codes I have. No one else is getting in. And then for me, it is a way, obviously, on a much more um, bigger scale, right? I have to provide that for them. It's the it's the low-hanging fruit. Truthfully, like when I started a team, it was the easiest place that I could go. Um, and then the other lead generating activity that we do is Mojo. Um, Mojo is cold calling. We do what's called circle dialing. Circle dialing is nothing more than calling out of the phone book. Um, we call behind listings, we do expires, we do fisbos, but circle dialing is really for us where we make the money. What we find is that the sellers that we're talking to are generally four to six months out. That's our opportunity. That's our opportunity to show up for them in that amount of time, kind of prove ourselves to them. And then what we find more, I, 80, 90% of the time that we sit down with them and actually go to list. They're not even interviewing anyone, and it kind of goes back to the CRM, right? So the CRM is automating that for our agents. Call them, do this, do that. Um, so that's how we lead gen. Without lead gen, you're nothing. You don't have a business, you know. And I think, like I said, from from kind of outside looking in, that's where most of the newbies and even you know some of the bigger agents, right, miss that. You know, some of the agents that we're trying to bring on now are more veteran. You know, well, why am I going to get on the phone? You know, because you have it. You know that's the opportunity. It's like saying why you why yeah. am I going to work out? Well, because we just it's we what use the analogy do? on our team. Like, yeah. if, if this makes sense, and it's cheesy as hell, but it, it really is the truth. Is that lead generation is like a boat going down the ocean, right? And you're fishing. Your boat, when someone passes, it should look insane. You should have so many poles in the water, right? Um, and then we do the traditional stuff. You know, we do the marketing, and the advertising. Um, for us personally, the biggest opportunity we have now. Is kind of going into these touch programs on our past clients. Um, so that's kind of our lead generating. You know, We're trying to build what we call a triple-headed beast on our team. Realtor.com, Mojo, and then past clients. I like what, that triple-headed beast. Well, and what we're trying yeah. to do, if it makes Analogies sense. Analogies are is, fun. This is where we're excited as a team because honestly, and it's my fault, I'm the leader. We've never been the best you know, in that relationship realm. Um, and now transferring into that, it, it's so cool. And that's what we're hoping that we can be badasses and bringing it in the front and, you know, not only to have mats, but now that, you know, not mats, um, and then cultivate them on the back. So, uh, we'll see, you know, but that, that's what we lead gen. Those, those are really our three sources.
0: So though, for those who don't know, Mojo is an, uh, like a, uh, automated line dialer up to three lines mm-hmm. where you can upload your list. There's lots of different ones out there. So when he says Mojo, I just realized. You might not know what we're talking about, mm. so there's lots of different ones. But you just upload your list, and it dials three numbers, up to three numbers at the same time. Mm. So, what when I was doing it, you could do 500 in three and a half to five hours, depending on how many pickups you had and the time of day you were calling. Oh, right. So. In, in
2: given numbers, you know, like what our team is held to, um, and and I'll be very open and frank. I mean, I I don't think we're doing enough. Um, the reason we're not though, is that as an agent, I, I, it's what I was doing. We made it, we make a thousand calls a week out of those thousand calls a week. I think that really only boils down to about seven to 10 listings, but this is where the numbers compound, right? So seven to 10 listings, most likely they're going to buy something. Especially Woodward, Corridor. So exactly. Depends on where they're well, at and too. Yeah. And yeah. fairly nice numbers. You're, you're obviously calling into the right areas, but then a properly marketed, you know, listing also generates one buyer lead. So a lot of times they're three furs. And that's what we try to stress our agents. And what we're really trying to do as a team is those are our long term leads. And then realtor.com is more of our short our short term leads. So um but I like the long term, man. Like I said, you're really able to demonstrate who you are and the value you offer by saying and, and being able to show over the length of time you, you are doing what you said.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I get leads from all over the place. I do pay Zillow a little bit of money every month, just a little, and it 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 pays for itself like manyfold. Um, I get leads from my office. I don't have to pay for. Um, I work my network pretty hard. Um, for people who say that they shouldn't have to get on the phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any prospecting from 2012 till just last year. Um, I would take the low-hanging fruit. I got a lead. I would call them. If they didn't call me back, I probably wouldn't call them. And the market has changed. And I have to work a lot harder this year, starting in January. My January started, and I was like, oh, man. (laughs) I'm really fucked if I don't start working right now. Um, I have to work harder to sell my listings. Um, Like last year, just things were coming to me and they were selling themselves and and now well
0: the really price point you're at too right so mm-hmm. tell people what price point what you're doing and where you're at cuz okay. i want people to get so we got woodward corridor here
2: very, yeah, Our, our average, you'll
0: do everywhere but very yeah, woodward corridors
2: yeah, your target and our average right? price point again all encompassing uh like 257 yeah and you're doing a like, lot downtown condos yeah, so, townhouses so i
1: mean i i work all over detroit so i mean i'm selling investment properties and I'm selling $700,000 condominiums. So that, yeah, that top end of the market has definitely slowed down and topped out in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm trying, you know, trying to really focus on what is selling right now, which is still the emerging markets and the neighborhoods around Detroit, the historic districts, you know, the, you know, under three fifty is really kind of that sweet spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you don't think that you, Want to pick up the phone? Then you might as well just hand over the keys to Zillow right now. They will, they will <laughs> sure. come and get you.
0: They absolutely um, will. Somebody so, will, or whatever the Zillow of the future is, right? So
1: yeah, I really had to work at prospecting, and I'm like, wow, this stuff is magic. This is really great. This works really well. So, um, so just um, you know, I've gotten leads off of the the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Facebook page. I mean, there's leads. Everywhere, I
0: fucking love the Metro Detroit Real Estate Investors Group on Facebook. Folks, if you're not there, I I look at it two hours a day, bare minimum. I pull minimum five deals a month out of there, and that's frankly not even trying that hard. There's six thousand people in that group and there's a ton of stuff. I just don't know if I knew more, I bet I could pull like, I don't know shit about downtown condos. Like, What, what am I going to do? Just get myself in trouble. Right. There's so much opportunity in that group. I love that group. I just had to plug them in. Thank you, Tom, Tom, Other yes. Tom, Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> uh, lead gen. Um, yeah. I'm just, I was just, I was just thinking about, you know, so when I first started in the, in the business, um, I took a, I, I hooked into a trainer, you know, a guy that, that did real estate training and just good old fashioned sales techniques and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and his thing, you know, he had scripts and dialogues for, for, for calling and all the rest of that. So, you know, we, back then there was no do not call list mm-hmm. and we had these printed books again, go into the dinosaur age. Uh, Bressers is the name okay. of the company. In the Bresser book. So he'd, you know, you say, open book, go to bottom of the street. So if you were at Cumberland Street in Berkeley, you'd start not at the top address, but the bottom, because the other guy calling quit about halfway through the street. All right. Start, I love it. Start at the bottom of the street and start calling up, you know. And if you got a buyer that hasn't found a house in Berkeley, you say, Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, it's Tom Hutt calling. I've got some buyers that are looking in Berkeley. We've, exhausted all the current listings and we didn't find the house we're looking for. And we we're wondering, do you know anybody? Had you even thought about selling now or in the near future? Or do you know anybody, you know, the standard cold call thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, you know, I don't do uh, a ton of cold calling anymore, but having good listings gets you plenty of buyer leads. Um, you know, repeat referral business, uh, I've never paid any lead sources for leads. Um, I'm kind of anti-Zillow, you know. I just, the concept of like giving an outside company to turn around and Doggy style, yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Know. You know, I don't know. What if you're into, that. Yeah, yeah I'm not just, judging. Uh, I'm not in. I just the con- big world. The concept has always not been great for me. I mean, I I get it, but they're 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 not out, they're not looking out for my best interest. Okay? No, of course not. No. I mean, is it is it a business model that people use? And yeah. And, do I, and if I need to do it, I will, but I have not had to do it and I'll figure out, uh, probably figure out a different way to get around it. So
1: I think the only reason that I do pay Zillow is so that I get my own leads for my own listings because otherwise they will give them to somebody else. Right, That's right. how much, how little do I have to pay so that I get my own buyer yeah, leads? Yeah, to
3: get your own buyer leads. Yeah. But So anyways, it's, you know, so it's out there. But yeah, so that, you know, networking and I get a ton of repeat business. You know, so, and especially I have some, um, uh, like corporate type people that send me stuff on a a repeat business over, you know, luckily that I bumped into when the market was doing nothing, you know, that kind of built over years that has been beneficial.
0: So I've done a lot of different stuff. I haven't paid for any leads as a real estate agent, I have as an investor, um, I do things very weird. I begin with the end in mind. For me to work hard, I have to have fun doing it. And for me, what makes it fun are the relationships that I build and like this podcast, right? Like I get bored easily. I have to be excited about things. This podcast is a huge lead source for me, um, and I would rather do this, even though it doesn't pay, and I had to do all the equipment, and it cost me money. Right? It scratches an itch I already have, and for me, it's not a problem to work 16 hours a day doing it the relationship way. When I was wholesaling and back in my investor days, I was all cold call. I call called out of state, California, New Jersey, New York. I called call out of country. England, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Spain, all these different places where they have these expat communities, things like that. Even some places in in South America. And that shit works. There's nothing wrong with that. That shit works. But what happened was through doing all that, I developed a lot of relationships. And then I kind of stumbled into the relationship thing. And for me, that's just how I do it now. I, I do a minimum four networking events a month. And I'm doing two things at all time. I'm trying to meet people in real life and push them to my digital life. And I'm trying to meet people in my digital life and push them to my real life. That that literally is my my plan. Um, and I never even took leads from the DLA group. I watched that and I realized if I took their leads from the DLE group, I, what value am I bringing? I'm just another butt in a chair. So I said, I'm going to bring my my own clients and I never took it. I took one on accident because Joe tricked me. I'm still mad about that, but that's all right. I got the sale on the other end. I got, I got to list it and sell it and get and get paid some some real money because they get a lot of uh, referrals from Quicken and thing, And that comes with a pretty nasty yeah. – Referral fee on that. So it. I don't like that. I have to work too hard um, for this stuff. Thirty percent They want yep.
1: to take 35%?
0: I don't even pay a referral fee if it's under 150 You can send it to me and uh, I'll work it. And if you want something else, send it to somebody else. Uh, after $150, i will give you 20%. Nobody likes to say it, but after 150, I'm really doing the same amount of work.
2: I remember a text message like that from you. I was
0: like, no, I'm not. I'm just, why would I, (laughs) it's too fucking hard, man. It's too hard at my price point. And that, this is, this is a personal problem because at my price point, that doesn't make sense. I would, I a hundred percent do it above 150 because what nobody tells you is it's the same amount of work. You just get paid more. And then I could afford to be generous with people Mm -hmm. because I've covered all Mm -hmm. my costs and all the other things. So, that's um, And I have Renegade Detroit Investors, which is a meeting. And that was scratching another itch. And I was never going to be an agent. It had nothing to do with that. I just want to be around a bunch of savage investors because same reason I'm, I'm at this office with a bunch of people doing big stuff. I wanted to be around a bunch of people doing big stuff, way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the other meetings. So I kind of went about it in a different way. Also, I realized, man, can I really compete with a team, 12 people calling all the time? So that first year I was a real estate agent, um, one of the things I did was I picked out 20 people I thought I could help in their business and I called them every week and I went and visited their things. I want to get so into your fucking life. Now I'm selling it to you too. Here's your wholesale deal. Here's the work it needs. Here's what we're going to put it on the market at. Like the, You didn't interview anybody else. There was no one else. I was there six to 12 to 24 to 36 months before you ever thought about doing it. I'm also, uh, I gotta know whoever you are. You gotta know your limitations, right? Like I'm not Matt. I'm not Jan. I'm not Tom. They all have some very like, would I want to compete against them and their strengths? Fuck? No, I don't. They're going to kick my ass. Why would I, why would I do that? And my strength is I just don't fucking quit. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here in 25 years. I'll be here in 45 years. I got all the time in the world. I'll show up. I'll come to your house 14 times. Let's go look at that. No, I wouldn't do that. I'll do this. Oh, you still haven't done anything in two and a half years? No problem. And then I get the call. That was the way I did it. Now, I mean, my first year sucked, frankly. It just did, you know, because I didn't take any company leads. And I nobody had any reason to do any business with me. Zero reason, right? A wholesaler doesn't mean you're a good listing agent, right? So, um, and for me, it was easy to work hard doing it that way. So, and it was a lot more fun. So that's, I do a lot more alternative stuff, but it scratches itches that I already have. I, I don't think you should do thing. I'm not saying you should like what you're doing necessarily. Cause that's some bullshit. I got to do a lot of stuff I don't like, but lean into your strengths. You have strengths, right? Do you really want to, if you have weaknesses, like we all do, right? Like obviously paperwork, shit like that, right? Um, I'm not exactly going to train a bunch of people. Probably that's not going to happen, um, but I'm not going to go away either. And I know a ton of stuff and I don't mind doing shit for free for three years before I get you. That's going to be pretty hard to beat in the long run. So wherever you're at, you know, try a bunch of different stuff and see where your, your strengths are at when you're spending money though. You guys are very careful on what your return on investment is, right? I do want to say that because I've done that too, where you spend money, you don't track. All right, folks, my damn card filled up. Sorry about that. But here we go. Next question from Nick. It's a long question. I'm going to ask it, then I'm going to re ask it. With the abundance of listing info available online publicly between Zillow, Trulia, all that, 80, 90% of realtors being inadequate to to downright detrimental in most retail deals. Where you see where do you see the industry in 10 years will technology make most realtors unnecessary but I think I'm gonna I think we kind of talked about this a little bit before but I'm gonna rephrase it Nick I hope you don't mind and I hope I don't ruin ruin this and Tom touched on it earlier but things always change right um, and I think any industry you're in like that's just the way it is 80 90 barely get along. And ten to twenty percent do anything. Like, but what do you what do you guys think about competition? It, most of our competition is coming from the what, cyberspace, digital space, whatever you want. To, big data, right? Um, and do you think that technology will make most realtors unnecessary?
2: I think you know, depending on how far you know we're looking, you know, um, short term, no. You know, the next four or five years, I, I don't think so. I mean, kind of like all of us were touching on, you know, um yeah, I mean, I, it is going to change the landscape. You know, I, I love, again, what Tom said, you know, you're just going to adapt. I don't think they're going to do away with the realtor, but, you know, have us back in five or six years and I'll, you know, I'll tell you then. But yeah, well, it impacted. Yeah, really what hopefully it does is is impact the industry in a good way that, you know, it's keeping... You know, clients better informed and better communication. So it, you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it could reposition the realtor at one point. But back to what I said earlier, I just think big data needs a lot more time. So I think in the short term we're we're okay.
1: Um, I think we already have a little bit of a peak of what it looks like to not need a realtor because we run into Fisbos all day long. And, um, a lot of Fisbos end up listing with a realtor. I think that in a seller's market, Fisbo listing is pretty easy, but now that we're kind of shifting back to a buyer's market, I think that that is going to change. I can't tell you how many clients say to me, well, what would you advise me to do? And a computer can't do that. A robot can't do that. An algorithm can't do that. Um, so I think as long as people are going to want service and are going to want like an actual uh, human to interpret um, data and numbers that we will always have a place in the business and may, it may look very different, but um, I can't see um, the consumer wanting to do away with the realtor overall. They're always going to want to be people to want to pay for it. And they're always going to want to be people to do it themselves. And um you know, I think it's going to be a fight over that market share over time. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, every industry has the inadequate dirt bag slash whatever out there. Um, maybe real estate has a little bit more than some others. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe so.
0: Yeah. There's a little too much money in it. I think it's too enticing for some people. You know.
3: Yeah. So there's probably, you know, some really, there's really bad everythings, you know, attorneys, cops, doctors, whatever, but yeah, certainly we have a load of, you know, really bad agents, but, um, and again, the technology part, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to change. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah, we can put on headsets and do a virtual walkthrough of houses probably today even, you know, but, um, we'll see. I mean, let's face it. Um, setting a price on a listing or helping somebody that that's only a fraction of what I do. I mean, when you're dealing in a real estate transaction, it's death, divorce, and real estate. And people are generally unstable during a transaction. So part of my job is being a therapist yes a really during therapist. Yeah, oh, that, yeah a real estate therapist you know <laughs> so yeah so people get crazy and you know it's kind of like if you're going to, to a dentist you want to hope that maybe that dentist has done that root canal or had one on himself that has some empathy or something so yeah it, you know if you haven't if you're a realtor or you know people listening to this are involved in real estate so they know the pain of sideways they know the pain of you know, just what can happen and, and just the anticipation. If it's you doing it, it's a big freaking deal. You know, if Jeremy, if you're moving, it's not that big a deal to me. Okay. So, but, so there's a lot of that going on in a transaction. So I don't know, you know, being a consultant, being of service, not chasing money. Those, that
0: chasing money. That's a good one. Right those, there.
3: those are yeah. the things that, that make, you know, make me. You know, and being knowledgeable, knowing what the hell I'm doing, you know, there's something to be said about that. Um, those things really are, you know, important. Um, yeah, if you're chasing money or if you're, you know, whatever, all those kind of things, or you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, there's, there's tons of that going out there, but so will it change? Yes. I don't know how, you know, and how quickly, you know, I think that, uh, the, you know, the more of an attack on, um, lead generation than anything, as far as the industry goes, I think again it's the Zillow stepping in and trying to be eye buyers, and with their, they programs that have in four or five states already, where they're they've got the eyeballs already and they're making offers, but they're looking to get the seller leads and sell them back to the realtors, not just the buyer leads. So those are the kind of things that I think are going to be more impactful, more quicker than being eliminated totally.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it took all the wind out of my sails, said it better than me too. Yeah, people are people, right? I don't understand how, how even with AI, that AI is going to be able to talk somebody through, like, who's not emotional during this process, right? Yeah, how many times you talk somebody off a cliff or you save them from making a huge mistake? Like, I just don't understand how, uh, at least yet, maybe it's a lack of imagination on my part, right? But I'm not, I'm not seeing how a computer can do that or how big data can do that. You guys all really care about your clients too, right? I mean, like, you work really hard. All, none of you are fucking lazy. You guys all work all the time doing stuff all, and it's obvious you care. And I'm not sure. Maybe you want an algorithm who doesn't care. Maybe it is better, but I don't know. I think it's something about being human. We don't need humans to do everything. Obviously, we got machines to do shit, but I think a lot, a lot of people like humans.
4: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: And until a machine could, do what a human can, which I don't think is likely anytime soon. And even then, I think there'd be discrimination. How many people would rather have a human, right? People don't like automated phones, let alone, like, would they want their real estate process automated? You can't call anybody. You can't talk to anybody. You can't. Yeah.
1: Or if you're, you know, if there's like a, you know, a call center where there is an agent in, you know, Texas who's advising people all over the country, they Mm -hmm. don't understand the local market. They're not going to be able to answer. I didn't even think about
0: that. That's an excellent point, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They're going to try and pull, but. How useful is that <laughs> mm-hmm. outside of your immediate area, right? And not very if useful. If
1: you're programmed to try to get somebody to buy, are you going to also going to program to tell somebody when not to buy? Yeah, you know. And I think that that's as important of what we do. Sure. Um, and that's why our clients love us, and then we, you know, work so hard for them as we w- we don't want the paycheck. I mean, it's great to get the paycheck when we get them what they want, but that's not why we're here. We want to get somebody what they want.
0: Yeah, you guys nailed it with not chasing the money. Fucking pieces of shit chasing money have ruined more things. It is not about the money. It is not is there, in about fairness, the money.
2: For to the to that turd, they're usually the first one out. Yes, you know, because then like, holy shit, I got to work this hard for it. Yep. <laughs> you know, but. it's not about the money. The money is
0: the reward at the end. And then if you do it right enough, a long time, then you're like, the how re- the hell did the I make real,
2: this money? The real reward is the referral. You know, and I mean, obviously, listening to these guys too. I mean. That, that's the win, you know? So yeah, it's not the paycheck. Well, I'm going to
0: flip it too. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, even with Zillow and everything else, and I have not been doing this as long as you guys have, right? But so I'm using my investor knowledge going back. We got, I got this beautiful tablet in front of me. I got a fucking Star Trek phone, (laughs) right? Like, I just, I don't know. It seems to be, for the most part, making everything better and easier. We get more time to spend with our clients. We get more opportunities to communicate with our clients in a, in a variety of different ways. We could use software to take out a lot of the redundancy and stupid human labor, right, to make us more profitable and make us uh, a better value to our client. But I don't know. I just – uh I think – I'm going to throw it out there. I think it's just going to keep getting better. Right. And then people who can't keep up, I will say this though. Um, It's a dangerous thing to, to talk about, but as things get more complex, um, anyone with low IQ is going to have a harder and harder time. And this is something people have been talking about for really hardcore for the last 10 years, but about 25 years, right. As more and more computers and you need to understand more, there is an IQ associated with that. So we, Unfortunately, I, and this is a problem, I think something like 10 or 15 percent of the world has an IQ less than 100. Hmm. Um, that's a real problem because they could do something before and now things are becoming complex enough that they that, that, that could push you out. And maybe it gets so complex that you have to bring in more money. It becomes a high overhead thing. But I don't think so. I think everything is getting cheaper. Right, like the, I remember, our first computer was a uh, was it a 386 DX, and it was fucking thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah. Had one hundred twenty eight k RAM or some shit, like eleven hundred dollar. I like to do anything I want, so I don't know. It Seems like it's getting, it might be getting better, Nick. I'm gonna throw that out there. It's just a little curveball. Like it seems like a lot of things are just getting better. Chris Martin, he's got a long one here, so it's wholesaling illegal. He's just he's having having fun. No, have you joined a Renegade Realty Group yet? Resistance is futile. Thank you, sir. All right, all right. Real questions. Tenant placement. Ooh, we got we got good people here. Because you did like you did. I'm bad at tennis play, so I have no thing to say here. Right? <laughs> Tenant placement. Have you done it? Is it worth it? Are you a listing agent, buyer's agent, or both, and why? What are the pros and cons of each side?
2: They were asking, what about the tenant? I'm not sure I got that
0: tenant placement. Have you so done it as a real estate it? agent? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think hopefully I'm getting this right. Chris, um, have you done it? Is it worth it? And do you think it's worth it?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, again, I, I built my career on it. So yes, uh, you know, renters turn into buyers. Um, so, you know, I mean, as it, it, frank as that is, um, and then the buy and the sell side, um, Every team's different. I mean, our team, there are no buyer's agents. And li- I mean, we do it all. You know, we're pros. Um, I think quite honestly, it, it's natural to start off as a buyer's agent and kind of work your way towards the, the listing side. I think the more houses you see, you know, obviously in the areas you serve, the, you know, the, the more mastery you get. Um, but no, I, 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 I think it's silly, you know, to pigeon, uh, pigeonhole yourself in, in one. Um, I would do all three. Now, truthfully, as a team, we're not trying to do a whole lot of rental business. Uh, it's not that we don't love you guys or don't care for you. It's just, um, quite honestly, I mean, it's time. Um, so we just don't have maybe the enough people to you know harness it. And then, look, the hard facts of it, we're not making as much as we are if we're doing the buy or sell. Um, but if I was starting, and, and again, as a team, we do all three. You know, as a team, we have a heavier focus on, you know, listing buyers and, and investors.
0: Well, ostensibly too, uh, tenant placement could be like now money too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not all disadvantage, right? Like you Very go true. get a listing and maybe it's on the market for 30 days before it sells and it's another four to six weeks before it closes. You can literally go out show rentals and get a check yeah. in less than a week or two weeks, depending on how lucky you are and when things open up. So,
2: and, and I mean, some of the rentals and I'm, I'm sure Jan will probably talk to, I mean, Holy cow. Yeah. We got a real problem. I mean, I now, today. you know, 2,900, 3,500, you know, I mean, those are awesome. Um You know, I, I think as a new younger agent, you know, you just got to weigh out your time, but I, I would never, I would never pigeonhole myself into one, you know, versus the others.
1: I've done lots of tenant placement. I think working I, I I'd rather work on the landlord side of things because I'm going to find you a tenant. I'm going to make my money doing that. On the tenant side of things, if I'm if I'm working with a tenant, there there's not a whole lot of loyalty there. They can go call uh you can go on to Craigslist, they can find landlords who are listing their own houses and they can find something that they like better. And then you just spent a whole bunch of time showing somebody some houses and they went and rented something where you're not going to get paid. So Good
0: point. Sorry to interrupt, but that is a more fragmented market, right? Whereas almost all the listings end up on the MLS. Mm-hmm. What percentage of rentals do you think end up there?
1: Or, or you know, apartment buildings who don't, you know, pay realtors yep. or whatever. So I would say it's probably like, you know, 50 50, if not, like swayed more to the on getting paid. So I like to have this conversation. If I am working with a tenant, if I do decide, I say, look, there's a lot out there that I'm not going to be able to show you. If you value my time and you think that you would like my assistance, even if I can't get paid, this is how much it would cost you. I said, if you don't want to do that, I said, let's just have a gentleman's agreement that I'm going to show you everything I can show you. If you don't like any of that stuff, then we'll shake hands. I'll send you on your way. You know, I won't have spent a lot of time with you, but give me the opportunity to show you everything that I can first before you go checking out, like, other things that I can't get paid to do. So once I explain it like that, it helps remove some of that, like, the issues that may come up with, with them, you know, kind of shopping on their own at the same time, Um uh, but you know, if I do come across, you know, you, you, uh, the more experience you get, the more you can kind of suss out, you know, I met a GM executive this morning to show him two units of the book Cadillac. He will pick one there. Hell you know, yeah. $2,300 and $3,000. Hell yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I always get a little
0: upset, you know, fucking 50,000, 1500, you're like I should be turning a rent.
1: And <laughs> also the way my office structures it is if it's my broker's <sighs> client, Just because, like, they don't have time to do that stuff, we get – we don't have to pay the other – like, we just get our office split off of the 100%. Nice. So – you know, yeah, I don't have a lot of time for it, but if I can close one of those if if it's been it's and it's been a slow month, like I have a lot of listings that weren't moving in the past couple of months, like if I can get a couple three thousand dollar rentals closed, like that's the same as closing, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a couple hundred thousand dollars. I was doing
0: the math in my head, I was like, That's pretty damn good. So I, I don't say. think you
1: should ever, you know, turn turn yourself off to any area of the business, but you have to do it smart. You really have to ask yourself the questions is, is this, who is this person? Are they going to waste my time? What is the likelihood I'm going to be able to, you know, get something out of this? And a lot of the new agents that come into my office start to turn their nose up at listing leads because they are sometimes tough. And then the new guy will come in, he'll take out a listing lead and they won't buy it, but then they'll be like, Oh, but I have this house I want you to list. You know what I mean, and it's like all of a sudden they've turned like a rental lead that seems like it's not going anywhere into like. So I just tell people like there is gold everywhere you yeah. look. Don't be too good for it, you know. Um, just you know, just just come into it with an open mind, and you know, I think you'd be surprised.
0: Small deals lead to big deals, mm-hmm. so you do think it's worth it if you're careful.
1: If you have to be careful, yes, but yes, yeah, you never know yeah. what's going to come out of it. It is more
0: fragmented, Chris. Yeah, Tom. Have you done a lot of tenant placement? I know you're a landlord. I don't know. Yeah,
3: I, of- I mean, I've done tenant placement in my houses, so but that's different, you know. So um, yeah, I haven't done a lot of. I haven't worked with a lot of uh, renters over the years. Um, literally, you know, for 15 years at Remax, there's you know, you get your own leads. You don't get so there would be. I don't unless I had a, a rental, I wouldn't have a renter person calling me that would want to you know work with me so i've helped people over the years but it's not something um that i do a lot of and and it's you know there's not a lot of three thousand dollar rentals were in i mean there's some in royal of but yeah. it, and again it's so fragmented right now i'd be a disservice almost like you know a lot of landlords don't use the multi-list so if i can only show you 25 percent of what's out there How much help am I, you know, Mm -hmm. being, I guess if somebody needs help in that area, I, you know, I would look at it or advise them or whatever, but it's not, I don't want to have to, you know, then you have to do the, what you're talking about. I mean, (laughs) it's one thing if they're looking at lofts in Detroit and it's a limited, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it's another thing if three quarters or half of the properties aren't even, I don't have access to, what's the Mm -hmm. point? So yeah. So not tons.
0: All right. They asked a trick question. I I think I'm going to throw it in. You don't have to answer it. What are you guys thoughts on EXP's model? And for people listening, EXP is like a different kind of brokerage, right? So there's like Keller Williams. So we got, we got Remax, we got Berkshire Hathaway and we got two Keller Williams here, right? So, um, EXP would be
2: another one of those what do you guys yeah, think about i mean the model? in my opinion on it and probably, probably as much as anyone i mean i poked around it too um the best thing that the best way i can answer it right now it's just not the right fit for me right now you know i uh truthfully i think at my brokerage i, I still had more things like a joke to steal um yeah i mean look i i mean let's just be frank right i mean if you're producing cappers you know which truthfully i am it it you know, it becomes attractive, right? I mean, that, um, you know, the whole pyramid scheme, call it what you want, it is, um, you know, you get in early and obviously the payout like that is more profit share, but it really goes back to what all of us were talking earlier about splits. I don't care about splits right now, you know? Um, and and then even more openly, I'm not a master recruiter, you know, and then even past that, you know, I don't have the money that some of these other guys have too, you know, it makes sense for them. You know, you see them, they're opening up their own centers. They're telling you, (laughs) you don't need a brick and mortar, but they're buying their own brick and mortar. Yeah. I noticed that. All good. All good. You know, um, for, for the individual agents that are just starting, um, I'm not going to tell you to go one way or the other, of course, just weigh it out, you know, make, make sure you're getting what you need and it's education, you know, moving you forward. Um, you know, I think like anything, you know, right now it's, uh, um, you know, it's got a lot of momentum, you know, I mean, nationally and then obviously here, but uh, not the right fit for me or my team. I,
1: I really don't know enough about it. I, I was reading a little bit the other day. Um, it's like more of like a cloud-based brokerage, like there's no brick and mortar office and everything. Correct. Um, so to me, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem any different than, I mean, you could operate your entire business that way for the most part anyway, if you wanted to. Um, so I would just say to new agents, um, you know, I I think you have to caution when there's an agent that, you know, is at a different brokerage every year, just trying to like hop between who's going to give the, you know, I think there is a lot of value in staying in one place and, you know, becoming a model of, uh, somebody who is reliable and is not like, you know, somebody who's going to like, you know, just, uh, be all over the place
0: flip-floppers you see them every six months they're someplace new
1: mm-hmm.
0: somehow their, their business still fucking sucks though right but <laughs> they're someplace new now and it's all going to turn around right? um
1: so so you know and, and i'm sure i they're a very fast growing company so i'm sure they have been right for a lot of people but um yeah i don't i don't make decisions on a whim i, I like you know kind of staying where i am and working my opportunities
3: yeah, um, I I don't know tons about about their model. I know it's pyramid style, profit sharing, and it's mm-hmm. the Keller Williams killer according to them. You know that kind yeah. of thing, and um, and it goes back to like I'm not chasing the best. You know, I'm not I'm not flip flopping. You know, I left once because I had to yeah. because they were you know just the the viability of the business model wasn't wasn't. Right at that point, you know, it was horrible, so I got the hell out of there. Um, would I ever change again? Probably, maybe, but you know, I'm not like actively seeking us. Not it's like the broker that I hang my license at has the least amount to do with anything that I do. I could virtually put my license with any broker and do the same amount of business Mm -hmm. that I'm doing right now. Absolutely, I'm not getting you know what I'm saying? And maybe I'm, I'm getting support. I'm paying the money. They do. It's national. There's advertising, there's this and that. I could pull my license. I could put it anywhere and would it wouldn't change anything. I don't think, you know, so, and it's been that way for a long time. So, you know, you, you need to, you need to have a business, you need to create your own business and, you know, and take care of business and um yeah if you're with some disreputable scumbag broker you know yeah it's going to affect you but other than that really hopefully you're you're doing your own thing to create your own opportunities and make things happen so I'll talk
0: a little shit about EXP <laughs> why this is like a move right out of the 90s Right. If you remember MCI with their stock and all that, and your profit share is through stock, and the only person buying the fucking stock because they're not making money is other agents are coming in. I don't like that. That doesn't mean I wouldn't do it necessarily. Um, just means it's not proven, right, at all. Doesn't mean it won't be. Everybody starts. Um, I'm not a startup guy for the most part. I'm not a startup guy. I used to be. I'm a steal and deploy guy. I, I know that most people doing this are way smarter than me who've done it way longer and they're a way better example than me. And yes, I've come up with a few things on my own. Probably not. Just I think that on my own, but 99% of it I stole from people smarter and better than me. So I get nervous about stocks. Here's what I don't like too. I want to sell a shit ton of real estate. I don't want to sign up a bunch of real estate agents. I don't fucking care where you go. Here's what I assume. I assume you're at the best place for you. I assume you did your research. I assume you know your goals. I assume you know what you want to do. I maybe I shouldn't say it like that, like I don't give a shit. I do care, but I just assume you're where you want to be. And even like when Joe had me call Jan, I was like, yeah, you wanted me to ask if you want to come to Kelly Williams. I really don't care. I really don't. Because it doesn't mean I don't care about Jan. I'm relatively sure Jan's doing what she wants to do, where she wants to do it. And if she wasn't, she'd be like, hey, Jeremy, what do you think about X?" What what?" I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what I think, right? Otherwise, she'd been doing it longer than me. I should probably be fucking asking her. So I don't like the multi-level marketing aspect to it and all this money I'm going to make signing up agents. I'm not here to sign up agents. I'm here to sell a shit ton of real estate. And I don't want your shitty stock that the only people are buying are the ones who are already in it. And then you have a guy at the top who brings in his team and then sells them. Like, I'm not saying that's going to work out bad. I'm just saying there's some red flags, right? And there's some uh,
2: – what, what, what do you want to call them? Moral hazards, I think. And this would be really more a question than a comment. It's just my understanding too is there's one broker for each state and – you know, Steve Kesteros is the man. I mean, I get... Yeah, minorities. how could you do the whole you, state, though? Well, yeah. you know what I'm saying? How do I get a mutual release? I mean, so there... And I and I don't know it deep enough. Maybe they've already solved that riddle, but...
1: Well, isn't there also... There's a rule that if you have something about... You have to have a certain distance from every local office or something. You sure. know, with a broker, there has to be an office manager. So I I haven't figured out how the... Mm-hmm. The mechanics of it. I think think
2: it's what uh, you know a few of us have said too. It's just it's a new shiny object, maybe just another fucking real estate toy at this point.
0: Yeah, if if this was Keller Williams in the 80s, I would be skeptical too. Right? Like I'm just new things, I'm skeptical (laughs) of. I've crashed a lot of things. (laughs) You know, you 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 screw up enough, I hope anyway, at least for me, I'm just a little bit more cautious and I look for more evidence. And I look for people doing the things I, I want to do. So to tell what everybody else is, it's, EXP is not on my horizon. That could change, mm-hmm. but I don't care. And I also don't like how they sell. I don't like how most people sell. I've said this too. I don't give a shit what it costs. Talk to me about the opportunity. Talk to me about my opportunities. Am I going to have greater opportunities if I go over there? Right? Like. Jan's doing shit downtown. She's looking for greater opportunities. You're looking for, for a quarter. You're doing a ton of investors. We're all looking for more and greater opportunities. I'm not necessarily counting my pennies anyway. So we got a new agent here. He's very fresh. He sent me some good questions, although they're a little vague, but I still think they're good questions. So I'm going to kind of read them out. Then we're going to, we're going to rethink them through. Um, and then we're almost done here. So we got David Goad. He just started, where do you start first? What are some groups of like-minded people I can get involved with? I really like that question, right? Um, actually, let's just start with there. He has more questions, but let's skip with where do you start first and go, where are some groups of like-minded people I can get involved with? Here's what I like about that question. I think he's on the something. Steal and deploy. Copy people, copy people better than you and be around people doing the thing. So I'm going to open this up to the group. What are some groups of like-minded people
2: I can get involved with? Yeah. I mean, what, what a great question. Obviously, you know, here, I mean, good platform, right? To learn a bunch of good stuff. Um, Although I will say it is
0: mostly investor stuff. Sure. I'm doing a podcast for real estate agents, but it is very, we do lean sure. heavy. But you investor. know, anything real
2: estate, it, yeah. you know, is, is like we said, a form of mastery. Um Ooh, I mean, I, for me personally, I, I guess that's that's the best way I, I can talk. One, if you can afford to get a coach, you know, 100%. Um, shout out to my coach, Sherry Swift, lover. Um, that is where, you know, you can really accelerate yourself. Um, uh, outside of that, I mean, I, I would like to think the brokerage you've chosen, you know, is hopefully going to have a couple people that you look up to and respect, Um, you know, even where I'm at in my journey, I have plenty of guys there that are doing way bigger, better things than me, you know, that kind of paved the way. Like we said, um, I think that has to be a
0: must, right? Like if you're the best person in the office,
2: you need to fucking go. Right. 100%. Right. And, and I, you know, I think obviously the, you know, there's networking events and stuff like that, trying to find that and seek it out. But, um, the one thing I would stress, if you could afford a coach, man, get a coach. You know, cause that, that's probably the best person that you can be around early in your career. I was lucky, uh, you know, if she's listening, I know she's laughing, but, um, <laughs> when I came over to Keller, they gave me coach Swift. That was part of what they, uh, you know, recruited me with. And like I told her, I'd been through so many corporate things like that, that it was, you know, okay, let me just go do this. And, um, I would tell you to get even deeper, like go into transitional coaching, Um, which is a lot about what you talked about. Hey, I've got a shitty mind frame or what, whatever the problem is, you know, and work on fixing that. Cause really what he's asking is how do I get the right mindset and that person is going to help you adjust that mindset. And then, yeah, just find people you, you look and, you know, look to respect and that can be anywhere. I mean, that can be Instagram, that can be social media. You know, I'd like to think hopefully in your office. I think those places are, are really good to start.
0: Yeah. If it's not your office, I think I'd be pretty sad.
2: Yeah. Right. Because
0: what what do you? i mean I'm not counting my pennies over here, but what are you paying in for? Right. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be. I love I love Steve Kateros. I love mm-hmm. Lath. Yeah. Like fuck, these these guys, they they got my back all the time. I've had to call Tom on shit too. Jan as well. Like I have this network. I go outside of my network, and I go yeah. I go inside. So I mean, for me, that's that nails it right there on the head.
1: Um, I second about getting a coach. I, I, um, as I'm looking at my, uh, changing business this year, I not only started prospecting, but I started working with a coach. So I, I, um, I knew that I needed to do some things differently in order to sustain my business. Um, and that is true. You, there, you isolate immediately what you need. The person puts you out of your comfort zone, holds you accountable. So that's very important. Um, There is a lot of good stuff online. Um, you know, I mean, there are plenty of, um, networking and real estate groups all over the country where you can start ripping off and, uh, duplicating what people in other states are doing, um, to maybe kind of feel like you, you're not, um, like, you know, giving things away to your local competition. Um, there, uh, Tom Ferry is, a national real estate coach. He's a ton of free coaching stuff online, YouTube videos that are so helpful on handling objections and how to talk to people. And there are so many other people out there that also.
0: He's one of the more popular ones. But there, yeah. yeah, but there
1: are other people out there that will show you how to door knock and what to say. They will show you how to cold call and what to say. You know, you can get online and you can watch this stuff all day long and take notes. So that is, um, really helpful. Um, but also outside of real estate, um, I listen to a lot of, um, Tom Billiou, he has a website with um, podcasts called Impact Theory, and all about how to change your mindset, change your health, change your outlook on life. Just different people all over the country that are, and all over the world that are approaching it in all different ways, and that could be a good way to just kind of get maybe get your head thinking about some different ideas that maybe will help your business in a lot of other ways outside of just selling real estate better.
0: Well, I love it too. Cause it's also, it's, it's humility, right? Mm-hmm. Here's something I don't know. Here's an investment I got to make in myself. Right. And then here's the result of that investment, you know, Tom.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, I guess I mentioned a couple of times already that I, I had trainers, you know, I went, one of the guys I really liked actually was Floyd Wickman. And, um, so I went to a, like a year-long course that he had, you know, cost a lot of money and all the rest of that. But it was, it was you know, pretty much um, intense sales training for real estate. And that really made it, you know, it started me off on a path of knowing somewhat what to do. And I think I probably, you know, I went to his master's program and went to Vegas and did stuff early on in my career. I did a lot of that and then actually had Floyd as mentor for a number of years. And um, so all those things, yeah, all those things. And one of the results of that was we started a, a mastermind group of agents, and we used to meet a bunch of top-producing agents and sit around and do masterminds, like, I think it was like once a month. So all those things are good. And this, you know, some of this was early on to where you couldn't do what you were talking about. Nowadays, you can – learn anything you know you can go on youtube you can i love you you can google you can do i mean uh i went away for the weekend um last weekend and went to grand rapids because just because that's where my wife said let's go there and check (laughs) it out you know and we stayed downtown and so on the drive there my wife likes listening to this murder podcast stuff so she's listening Mm -hmm. to her murder podcast and i'm listening to stuff and um she asked me like what are you listening to? And I'm like, well, you know, it was something real estate. Uh, who knows? It might have been one of your podcasts because I wanted to listen because I hadn't really. And it's, I don't care, you know, how long you've been doing it. Uh, you're going to learn. I mean, I'm I'm like, oh, I'm a sponge today. I cannot get enough of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to know everything. There's no way. You know, so new guy. Yeah. So. Get online, network, pick up the phone, um, read a book, do all those things. It's so much easier, I think, now than it was, you know, Mm thirty years, twenty, even ten years ago. You know, to learn stuff, and it, you know, it's available out there. So, yeah, those are all good things. Get a mentor. Yeah,
2: hundred percent. And not and not selling the Kool Aid, but like that to that young guy that started Um, million dollar real estate agent MREA, which if you want
0: to. I've re- I've angry read it to you on the podcast, so you, can, you don't even have to
2: spend money. <laughs> but that, You should buy the book, but you can go listen to me read it to you, too. It's a damn good book. And I, and I think, you know, just, just like you're saying, it's uh, for a lot of people, my myself included, you know, I'd kind of call it the Bible. And, um, you know, not that everything in there is going to work for you, but same thing. You can kind of plug and play. So that might be a good place to start. And I'm not. I'm not selling, like, the KW shit, but – Uh, it's, it's a good book.
0: Yeah. That book will work wherever you are.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's It doesn't
0: have to be KW. If you haven't figured it out by now, that has a lot less to do with your success than you, than you really think, you know, not that don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful to Joan Renee and Keller Williams and everything they've done for me, but I also know it's a business transaction too. Right. Obviously. So, um, this is another – man, we're really getting down the line. We're, we're coming at three hours. I have more questions, but I'm going to try and – because I know we want to get out of here. It's 3 o'clock. All right. We're going to do what was your biggest – this is from Jay Donovan. What was your biggest catastrophic fuck-up experience <laughs> as an agent? Wow.
2: As an agent. I'm glad you didn't ask me as an investor, right? That's a more loaded. That would be question.
0: way easier for me. Yeah. As that'd be agent. way
2: easier. I've ruined I, my life as an investor. I wouldn't say, and I guess I'm, you know, I'm lucky. Um never had like really anything nuclear. Uh, you know, like fucked up, but for me, and I and this is probably why I, I like cold leads. You know, it's just family deals, man. You know, always some jacked up agent on the other side or you know, um, nothing, nothing nuclear. I wish I had a good story for him, but I would just say family deals. I don't know, probably, you know, a little more sideways than than I care to. And I think at least for me, you know, it's uh God, you know, it, it just always feels a, a little more, um you know, aggravating or wh- whatever the right word is, because, you know, you're going to see him on the weekend, you know, and uh, and the other side of that, too, though, um, is my favorite saying working with family and friends is they kick Jesus out of Nazareth. You know, sometimes the closer you are to them, the, uh, you know, the advice you're giving someone. I remember that isn't kick Jesus out of Nazareth. It, you know, but it, it, it doesn't resonate before. as that's much. But fucking hilarious. Yeah, nothing, nothing nuclear, man. Yeah. Okay.
0: Jen? Uh,
1: one thing is coming to mind. Um, I was working with a couple, they were uh, our tenants in one of our rental properties through my office. And, um, showed him a loft that was on the market that, um, and, uh, there were tenants in it that were moving out, you know, in two months. Well, we got the property under contract. And then I realized that it was two months from now, a year from now that they were moving out and not. So I think it's a really good example, you know, so all of a sudden like, How am I going to – what am I going to say? I totally screwed this up. They're basically buying a property where the people are going to to be living in it for another year. And we still had contingencies and everything. But just the fact that I so overlooked this, like, major thing that they were – now they're really excited about. And now they – you know, are they – you know, they're probably going to fire me for sure. They're definitely not going to buy the place. But it's, okay, what lies can I make up to tell them? (laughs) how this isn't my fault. You know, you go through all these things in your head and then you come back to, okay, just have to take this head on and be honest about it and figure out how I can make this work. It's, as I mentioned before, and I'm not sure if it got cut off, but it's all about finding solutions to the problem. So I called them. I said, this is the issue. If you guys want to keep this property, it'll be an investment for a year. This is your return on your investment. I will manage the property for you for free for this, you know, and they were like, Oh yeah, okay, we'll do it. We'll we'll keep moving forward. It's like how you know, how do you, wow. how do you recover from that, <laughs> you know, recovery. and it's That's like, damn you, good. What do you do and you know, that one worked out, but you know, there there was a moment where you want to die basically because <laughs> you're screwing with people's lives and um so yeah, I would say that's the one that comes to mind where I've really felt that gut, gut
0: wrench. Man, that would, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> what, what, what did I do? Oh, shit. <laughs> that, I have way worse than that on the investor side. I won't say I'm going to keep mine to the realtor side, Tom.
3: Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I've screwed up deals over the years for sure. And, and I think what you just, the example just gave is, the, the bottom line is whatever it is, you need to make try to make it right or make it right, you know. Mm-hmm. I bought refrigerators, you oh, know. Oh, I bought a
1: house once. Yeah. Make it right. Forgot about
3: that. Oh well, that, that beats me out. Wow, wow. you had to I buy a had a house. appliances. Yeah. 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 like you know, yeah.
1: Forgot about that one. Yeah. That was way worse.
4: <laughs>
3: we missed it on the PA and they're asking for exactly. whatever, something like that, you know. So 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 stuff pops up, but um, Yeah, so it's just about being, you know, owning owning it, you know, owning the mistake, being honest, and making it right, whatever, which way, you know, you can. And I think some of, I can't really come up with examples, but I know that stuff that I thought was wrong really wasn't wrong, you know. It was actually, you know, rejecting, so like, you know, technical stuff about offers and counters and attorney stuff and all the rest of that, and it it but. And if
1: you own it and you make it right, those are your clients for life. Yeah. I have a client, the client that I had to buy the house from, he's like, everybody I talk to, I tell them my agent is so great. She is so honest. Like, she did whatever it took to make this right, and I will never forget that, and I will work with her forever and ever and send her all the business I ever can. You know, like, <laughs> nice. that that was more of a return. I mean, it was, it was a fairly cheap house, but... Mm-hmm.
0: The right thing is always the right thing, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have anything I fucked up too terrible on the listing side. I could certainly, if you go listen to my two podcasts, it's like six hours of my fucking life. If you ever care about that, I go into detail about how bad I fucked myself up on the investor side, which was pretty <laughs> god awful. So if you, if you, if you want that, um, I've mostly done listings. I'm trying to think of what was the worst fuck up I did on a listing and I'm coming up pretty I fucked up some negotiations pretty bad. I'm thinking of no, actually. Did I fuck that up? <laughs> I don't know if I fucked that up. I'm saying you didn't fuck
2: it up.
1: Maybe in I the moment you, don't it don't seemed know. like yeah. you were but then at the end <laughs> yeah. it all worked out. Well I've had a I had two bad <laughs>
0: transaction coordinators with the dealer group before I got Carolyn. Um oh here we go. Hiring the wrong person. Mm. I fucked this up bad. I'm glad I thought about this. I'm going to keep this gender neutral and everything because I know they listen to the podcast. Um I had an out-of-state investor with a bunch of garbage who is extremely eccentric. And I knew when I was talking to this person, I shouldn't take the business. I don't know if you guys have ever done this before. <laughs> no. have, you, have you ever now oh, yeah. I say don't take the business. I just walk away. But this was a year ago and I thought I'd gotten out of that. And then I fucking did it again. And it was, even though I walked this person through everything they had to do, it was like, all right, we got to go get FOIA packets first. You sign the listings. We'll go down and get the FOIA packets. You bought them at Wayne County. You Gotta send me some keys. I will get in. And it went full, you know, never go full retard. This person went full retard. Um, is this the
1: client? Yes. Okay.
0: Went 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 so my mistake was hiring the wrong person. I laid out the plan and this person agreed to the plan and we started working the plan and then I start getting the crazy texts. And then she called, I'm sorry. This person called. Damn it. Uh oh, I didn't want to assume her gender. I don't know, She's mm-hmm. gender neutral. Um and threatened my transaction coordinator.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And then my biggest fuck up. I don't do this anymore. But for my wholesale side, once you threaten someone or do anything, I'm done. And I did not send her another text or email for like three weeks. I just, I told Carolyn, fire her condition, uh, unconditionally release everything. And my big, I didn't, I didn't talk to her and then she, went around and that was a big mistake on my part, went around, told uh, I fucked that up pretty bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have hired that person. And when it went sideways, I should have called immediately instead of doing it. Like I have this thing. If you yell or threaten, I just don't talk to you. And I think that's the right move 90% of the time. But in this case, it was absolutely uh, the wrong move because it was perceived as terrible customer experience. And I think she was right. You know, so that's not that bad. Go listen to my podcast on my investor life where I really, really, really yes, ruined that's, my life.
1: That's a, that's a fun journey. Man, I <laughs> ruined my
0: life. So, all right, guys, this is when I open it up to you guys. Is there anything you want to talk about? Is there anything you want to pitch? I don't care what it is. I really appreciate you coming in and answering these questions and giving all these different perspectives. And I know you're busy ass people. So this is like time for you sales pitch idea. You want to talk about anything? I don't care. This is your time. Um, what do you guys I, got?
1: I have a question. I would love to ask Tom and Matthew is um, have you experienced the market changing recently? Why do you think it is changing and what are you doing about it in your business? What are you doing differently? Yeah.
2: Uh, I guess I'll jump first. I I think the market's definitely changing. Um, right. You see days on the market, up, you see inventory up. Um, I wouldn't say we're, we're really changing anything. I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying. We're just making sure fundamentally we're doing the right things, lead generating every day. Um, I think the conversations are changing, you know, with the buyers and the sellers that we have, um, sellers are still stuck in that mind frame. That everything's above asking and, you know, 20 offers. So I think a little more coaching and, um, training on that. Um, I also think it's a good thing for us though, you know, right? The, the good thing for agents is it is, it's kind of pushing a lot of the folks candidly that we're kind of talking about that are hanging around that shouldn't be. Um, but I think, I think it's just getting back more to the fundamentals, you know, um, I, again, we haven't changed a whole lot. It's just, just more of that focus on the, the lead genning, you know, the follow up and, you know, realizing that things are going to sit a little longer. We're telling our buyers, agents, right? The so guys that have most of our buyers that the market has changed for them where you're going to work harder. There, There's no other way to cut it. And the reason for it is there's less uh, urgency for people to act because of the market, right? They're not having to get the offer in before they even see the house. Um, a lot of the shit that we're getting is kind of crazy. And it's been a long time is that people under contract, Are like, Hey, I, you know, I, I think I want to see this other house. It was never like that because those houses never existed. They weren't up there. Um, so that's what I see. I, I see the change and I, and I think honestly, it's kind of stabilizing, right? I think, and you touched on it earlier, when the values go up, the home prices are going to fall, you know, and you're selling the top end too. Most people in the top end, they're skating in. So when that 1% really does happen or half percent, I think it's going to affect them more dramatically. Um, I don't think it's ever going to go back to the 04, 05 days, right? Just the dust is going to settle. So just sticking more to the fundamentals and um, just contact sport, more contact.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, the, well, you know, it's, it's going to, like, the last quarter of last year, things mm-hmm. stopped or slowed down drastically, and mm-hmm. then it started to pick up slowly at the beginning of the year. But it can't stay at the level that it's been. It's not sustainable. Without some major correction. So it's much better for cooling off normalized market, you know,
1: and off a cliff,
3: yeah. I don't really want to have to do the cliff thing again. <laughs> the the, investor
1: that's
2: the investors,
3: that's rough. Do the cliff, are <laughs> I right. but not, yeah, not I mean, there. there's human carnage that's involved with yes. that. It's not just like let's all swoop yeah. in and take a back. I got a smile
0: on my face when I say <laughs> but, this, right? But yeah, but, obviously, the worse it is for everyone else, the better it is for investors. But I really don't wish that on anybody, right? Because we so.
1: all, I mean, I know I had car- carnage during this oh, session, yeah. I know you did God. too, so. Of course.
0: Well, hopefully I'm not that stupid
1: again. So
0: I think I'll be stupid in new ways this time. So Amen. I think – Uh oh, yeah, that's something I forgot to mention before we were talking. I do have a coach. My coach though is a therapist
4: because
0: sure. most of my problems are from my parents and my childhood and me not dealing with that shit. And if you don't think that doesn't affect your business or your personal relationships or anything else like that – um
2: we, we it talked does. about, we talked yeah. about that on the first podcast we did and kind of mentioning, and we all mentioned, right? Kind of coaching and training. Um, I always joke, I mean, I'm a meathead, right? I, I love jujitsu. I, I, I love it, right? Any, anything aggressive. But when I, the first in, in probably the biggest breakthrough in my life, but the first breakthrough that I had with my coach, uh, I love my mom and dad more than anything. You know, I, I'm so blessed to, you know, have them, but man, they fuck me up about money, you know, and, and it was through love and and attention. Um, but it was my coach that kind of broke those chains that, you know what, dude, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to have a lot or, you know, what people might perceive as a lot or to want more or want nice things. Um, that, that was a big change. I mean, talking about mind frame, you know, so again, commend you, right. I, I had to break the same stuff and, Uh, what's crazy. And I'm sure you do too. I still find myself slipping there, you know, and it's like, Oh no, like, you know, this is okay. So, you know, been, been there, done that too. Just like you.
0: Yeah. I go every week and I have for the last three years and it's the single greatest thing I've done to my personal life and business ever. I don't think a lot of people look at sometimes they only look externally like well what do I need to, I need to go someplace different I need to get I need to learn something different <laughs> when really most of the time if we're being really honest with ourselves it's right
3: inside yeah, we need to address ourselves yeah. and
1: everything that you come into contact yeah. with in your life
3: right. yeah. and you I meet, started young and arrogant which when you is meet easy. four assholes in a day it might not be that. Yes.
2: Yes. You'd be, you'd be surprised how long I ignored this. It's a little embarrassing. It was like 33. But I think it's, it's not that you were ignoring it because, because I can relate. You don't see it. You know, you, you don't see it. And I think like we're all saying here that that's where that coaching or that trainer comes in, you know, with that outside perspective. And like I, I literally, I can still remember it because, you know, when I like made that connection, I mean, like a primal cry, dude. I mean, like, uh, you know, Emmy worthy, you know, chill, But, uh, man, you know, like you, I, I, I had to break that down, you know?
0: Well, I'm still doing it, but good. If you're one of those people, then you know, like you got, you got fucked up life. You're looking around, you're blaming everybody else. Uh, you probably need to turn that finger around. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> start right. there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think if you start there,
2: most of the time that's the best place to, to, to start. And you, and you were saying maybe, I mean, something to pass on, like to the listeners. I, the only thing that I would say, and I think, again, you've heard it from all of us, is, you know, find find your way. Be yourself. You know, that that's the beauty of this business is you can choose to do what you want to do and what you don't. Uh, no matter where you're at. I mean, I'm still doing it, you know, the level I'm at. And, yeah, model. You know, find someone. Find someone that, you know, you value, that you think you're doing, that is doing it the right way. You know, repeat it you know, duplicate it. You don't have to create this wheel on your own. Um, and then to the newer folks, I I would tell you, you know, you've got to become a master time blocker. You know, that's what we try to train, you know, our our agents on because you can do it all in this business. I mean, I I feel blessed. I'm able to do jujitsu every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's time block from 12 to two. That's what goes down, you know, but when you learn how to manage your schedule and put all the right things in place, you're able to run your business, you're able to run your life, uh, make sure you're lead generating every day, you know, and then just have fun with it, man. Don't overthink it. This business is not complicated. It's just not easy. And Lisa put it best when she came in and she's like, everything's here, you know, and she started a, a business called Tumble Bunnies, you know, shout out to that. Um, but what I was teasing her is, well, th- how many people have the secret sauce and who's really doing it? It becomes implementation. Yes. In action. So don't be that guy or gal who is a real estate, you know, uh, professional student. You know, I'm sure the three of us could tell you how many things we've got out there and fucked up and fixed and, um, just get out there and do it. Don't stay away from the shiny objects, you know, and just, just know it's, uh, it's your efforts and in the lead gen that's gonna, start your business or take it to that new level.
0: Tom, you got anything sales pitch, anything you want to share? Any, quite anything. This is your time.
3: No, no, it's just, it's, uh, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the renegade meetings. I appreciate the networking. I, it's been really cool sitting with other people, um, talking, you know, I, um, you know, the first, part of my career was you went to the office and you hung out and there was the bitchy people in the corner and there was, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't really go to the office anymore, you know? So everything, you know, I've got better equipment at home than I do it Mm -hmm. or what. So no, but I, I I enjoy it, you know, seeing a little bit a little bit of what's going on out there with other people, but, um, no, nothing to pitch, you know, we're, we're all, um, busy professionals and just, you know, enjoy the opportunity to be, you know, to maybe share a little bit of whatever's going on and in the podcast and the renegade meetings. I appreciate those.
0: Well, thank you. You guys have anything else?
1: Um, I would just say if there's anybody out there that wants to talk to me, I'm always happy to, I may not be able to get back to you right away because prioritize <laughs> some of my current deals, but I'd be more than happy to, take some time out of my day and talk to you and
2: my and my shameless plug um i mean we're always looking for talent you know like realistically we need about three more agents um who's the right person if you if you bring opportunity alert yeah if you if you bring the ambition you know and the hustle we can kind of give you everything else um opportunities folks buyers agents listing agents um come man come have fun and kick some ass with us
0: well guys thank you I really appreciate your time. Tom Hutt, Jan Dykers, Matthew Stransky, folks, go check out what they are doing. These are people who have been doing it way longer than me. These are also people I look up to. So thank you for your, your time today. I admire you guys for your grit and how long you've been doing it and the different ways you've been doing it. And I appreciate you sharing that with the, uh, with the audience too. So reach out, folks. These people, they're doing this for free, helping you out. So if you have any questions, you want to hire them for anything, they're very good at what they do. We got Mr. Tom Hutt, 248-219-9993, Tomhutt.com. Two Ts, Tomhutt.com. We got Jan Dikers. Go to Facebook.com forward slash dikers and that's D-I-J-K-E-R-S. Don't worry about it. Links in the show notes. You don't have to remember it. You can hit her up on Instagram at Jan Dykers, or you can email her jandsells at gmail.com. Then we got Mr. Matthew Stransky. Go to facebook.com forward slash Stransky and Company. And you can also just search and find them on Facebook. Reach out, guys. We're on the
2: gram, too. We're on the gram. There you go.
0: (laughs) He's on Instagram too. That's right. Stransky and Company. At Stransky yeah. and Company. You can go on Instagram as well. They are there. I'm sure they have a website too, right? Stransky Finally. and Company.com. Company. I don't have a website. I don't, I don't have signs. One. Yeah, I don't I don't have cards. I'm figuring that shit out yet. <laughs> I'm selling houses those still? What do you got? Yeah. Don't have any of that any of that stuff. So reach out. They take a lot of time out of the day. And I promise you I would not have pieces of shit on the podcast. So they are the exact opposite. These are a lot of people I call and ask questions when I get jammed up. So, um, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to support it, hook a brother up. There's a lot of things you can do. You can rate and review on iTunes. That's probably one of the easiest and simplest ways you can do it. I know it seems like a small thing, but that's one of the things that helps this podcast show up and I am trying to grow our listener base, right? If I get it up to something like four or 5,000 people, who knows what I can do right now? It's about 2000, which is not bad. So if you enjoy it, right? Share the podcast with others. Um, you can obviously hire me to do any of the real estate stuff. Um, buy a house, list a house, anything like that, refer sellers to buyers, wholesale deals though, wholesalers listening. This is my big push. We are smashing buyers together with wholesalers, conventional and cash. Mostly flips right now. I'm pretty weak on the – because I've been listing mostly flips for the last three years and I haven't been wholesaling that much. So I'm kind of weak on the landlord stuff, but we're getting better. But I can fill four orders right now for Detroit flips. So that's something you're interested in, you can reach out. Go to renegade if you ever want to attend any of the local meetings too. Meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors. And believe it or not, some of these people show up sometimes. You can meet them in real life, you know? Obviously call them and reach out, but why not come out and network? You're what Tom said. It's fun. Come learn from people who know way more than you. Or you go Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Uh, three, one, three, six, zero, zero, two, one, three, three. Shout out to Joe Randall mortgages by Joe Randall. This fancy schmancy podcast table that he bought us. Thank you, Joe mortgages by Joe Randall. All right. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I don't know if you look around, I don't like talking about politics and all that shit, but I don't know. Do you look around? You go, man, they really got my back. Uh, this is going to be okay. I don't need to worry about it. Uh, that's not the feeling I get at all. All right. Do it for you. Do it for your family. Take control. I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. Pick a goal, start small, stick with it and do something every day. Or as I used to say with Steve, every day. All right. Until you get there. Even if it's just one step, I do want to thank you for your attention um, and listening. I really appreciate it. Until the next podcast or until the next meeting, crush it.